episode you're going to get to know charlie valentine if you don't already know her from her fabulous work in the adult industry and soon the pump rules podcast yes pump rules podcast is back and it comes back this week now you might not be listening to this on the week it came back so if that's the case go on head on over there and uh, get into it not only that but charlie is my co-producer so the pump rules podcast is back and better than ever but now it's time to hear my chat with the one the only charlie valentine but don't you just love it though for every like troubleshooting need you have there's a youtube video for oh it yes. it's the greatest thing yes. you can you can solve every problem through. If you have the patience to get through, like I'm always just like, okay, <laughs> is it transcribed? Do they have the points yeah. in the video? Because I I don't have all day. I need the information. Now. I I do the same thing. Like with Final Cut things, right. I'm like, yeah. where's the text version? Exactly. Because sometimes you'll find a, a video that's like 30 minutes long, and I'm like, what? You, right. What? I, I just, just need I need, the, I need the hits. I need the cliff yeah. notes. Like, <laughs> yeah, get to the chorus. Fa- like, I just want to know how to copy and paste uh, clip attributes or something. Right. And then there's like a part of me that's just like, uh, I'm probably missing some useful information that could <laughs> actually help me be a more well-rounded user of this program but i do that as well and then i i discovered oh. that like there is a final cut tip that was really helpful you know when you sync clips to audio yes so then when you cut the multicam clip you can use just the one two three keys you don't have to like use the mouse to click and oh, okay. then repair it and stuff yeah. you just do one two one or whatever if you have three cameras and yeah and then you can go back and just adjust the trims handy handy tips see the only problem is my drug of choice is generally weed so (laughs) it's like a crapshoot if i'm gonna remember this at a later date well it's recorded it's recorded (laughs) oh my god okay then i can just always come back and reflect yeah exactly maybe we'll put a transcription and uh yes exactly (laughs) this is the point for the tips (laughs) (laughs) now of course uh as you are familiar with the show uh, i have uh, an intro for you Oh my god, I'm so excited! Oh, that's, that, oh, that's I'm so excited. that really thrills me. It really does. I mean, it's your first podcast, yes, and I'm thrilled about that. Uh, and we had been talking about doing this for a while. We didn't want to do it online. We had to do it in person. Yeah. No, I like. I was again. I apologize for all the back and forth. But oh, yes, what? I felt very compelled. I was like, I have. Uh, listened and partaken in your podcast in the past and enjoyed them and like you said just all the numerous similar interests i was like i really would like to meet and spend time with that person that really (laughs) warms my heart that really warms my heart yeah Yeah, i've wanted to meet you and spend time with you as well and now we're doing that and we have a lovely day ahead of us that's right and now the intro and thank you very much (gasps) that really brightens my day Dear listeners, on this episode, I am pleased as punch to present the vivacious Vegas vixen. Oof, I have to start again. I'm sorry. Dear listeners, on this episode, I am pleased as punch to present the vivacious Vegas vixen who found her passion profession at the pinnacle of the pandemic. She's lean, she's keen, and your eyes devour every scene. Longtime listener, first time caller, welcome the one, the only, the Charlie Valentine. Oh my goodness, that was incredible. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been introduced with such like valor, vindication, and. 
I can't think of a third V word to <laughs> complete that, but Vigor. Perfect. Thank you very Teamwork. much. Amazing. Exactly. It, high-fiving I loved it. you. High-fiving you across the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, vivacious v- Vegas fixing indeed. You grew up in Vegas. I sure did. Uh, born and raised for the most part. Moved away a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Came back because it was affordable as an adult. Mm-hmm. What What age would that be? Uh, I came back to Vegas around the 23, 24. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and quite a, quite a, a, a bit of time before you got into porn, though. Oh, which is, quite a bit of time. It, yeah. we're near, nearly a decade before I got into porn. Yeah. Shall we age my age me right now? <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think that uh, one of the videos that either, that one of the many videos that say Charlie's first video. Uh, yes. it's the MYLF MILF thing with yes. the interview, and they talk about the age. And I think it's a fantastic thing Thank that you. you talk about your age yes. because you know, like the premise that like what twenty seven is old or whatever, right. is insane. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. You're will gorgeous. Tell- Thank so you so much. You're welcome. I will tell you it. It is like an interesting um, kind of predicament though because oh, okay. um I, I don't know if you're familiar with kind of like how they categorize female performers and porn and it is like if you run it down for me that'd be good because i know that the, <laughs> yeah. the milf thing yes. is big stepmom thing big mm-hmm. but please uh, illuminate so essentially you're either you know a a teen <laughs> a college co-ed yeah um or you know, stepmom milf variety. Yeah. If you're lucky, you can become transcendent and just become sex object. You know, kind of, I, I think it might fall under kind of like more of like a hot wife category. Sure. Okay. But uh, essentially, it, can ha- it doesn't, there isn't like a, a hard and fast rule about it. It's very arbitrary. You can be 21 years old, mm-hmm. but just have... You know, giant mommy milkers, you know, or some <laughs> sense of like, you know, whether it be in your attitude or how you physically present, mm-hmm. you know, a sense of, you know, a matron-like quality to you sure. and you automatically become a MILF. Okay. You know, uh, but if you're, if you, however, though, if you're like 27, 28, no matter what you look like, you're a MILF. So, I will say that I fall into a tricky category yeah. because I don't necessarily look quite that MILFy. Right, right. And... No, you don't. You look you're rather young and spry. Thank you. You're I, that's and Quite that's fit as well. Why? Thank you so much. You're very and, and that's generally like the reaction. Everyone's like, "We thought you were like 27," and I'm like, "You're on crack, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you so much. Thank you." Uh, you know, so it's like a, a lot of times producers don't quite know what to do with me based mm-hmm. on those like preconceived rules in which they trap themselves. And it, yeah, it <laughs> does know? sound like a trap. And it sounds like this rigid thing. It's like when people talk about, well, the demo for this is, and it's yeah. like almost like received wisdom. Um, I don't know also why some scenes are, or why the, there's a limitation on scenes. Like for instance, right. one of the hottest scenes that I watched with you oh, of the many hey. yeah, <laughs> was a bi a male, male, female scene. I can't remember if it was biphoria. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I do love biphoria. to shoot for biphoria so much. And those were, you know, I will say a lot of my reason for getting into porn was because there were certain experiences, male, male, female threesome being one of them that I really wanted to have. And, you know, porn afforded that to me and a safe environment, you know, and that's, you know, and that's not the only thing, you know, there's been several other experiences that I couldn't quite finagle my way into (laughs) myself and my personal life. And yet, you know, it, 
not saying that casting and scenes all happen like this, but to some degree, you know, I I could choose that. Like, okay, like, yeah, I'm ready to do X, Y, Z. Sure. Put me in coach, yeah. you know, <laughs> or put them in me coach, you know, whichever, you know. Whichever way. <laughs> whichever it, way it happens. Yeah, whichever way the wind blows. But in terms of which yeah. way the wind blows, yes. typically you're more submissive than dominant. Is that correct? So generally, yes. And I've done a lot of shooting for kink and I've always kind of been under the, under the guise that I was so submissive but they've actually been casting me in some more dominant roles oh, as of late yeah. yeah and I am really coming to terms with the fact that that is a part of me and that mm. like I should lean into that more and I think it's it's becoming um personally satisfying to know that like I have those capabilities because mm-hmm. uh, I think it just it bears reflection on um I guess just my personal sense of self of not yeah. always feeling like, you know, I, I have to be um, not necessarily subservient, but just compliant and like pleasing to sure. those around me. Sometimes, you know, it was a personal lesson and understanding that like I can demand. That's great. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and conversely, you know, um, and we can pause for tea as well. We're enjoying some Tetley. Sadly, I'm out of Yorkshire gold. I'm going to say that to camera because it's a sad thing. <laughs> and I just want everyone to know. How is your tea? It's delicious. I, I honestly, my life was flashing before my eyes. I was like, can I hold the microphone and sip the tea at the same time? Because everyone should know. I, the first second he handed me the tea, I spilt it on the couch. Well, But then shortly thereafter, I spilled as hey. well. And I'm used to these uh, containers as well. So, you know, it's something in the air. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Blame uh, love, it on that. Yeah, lovely harmony or synchronicity or something. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, and to that, uh, I've discovered uh, with myself mm. that with Ada, that I can play on the other side of the i call it gender play i don't know if that's the thing but doing the submissive uh thing i don't know if i've trusted anyone Mm. enough to do that and also i've never really been with someone as equally kinky as myself so therefore i never was never able to explore a lot of things i wanted to i mean it's it's you know um there's still so much kind of like kink shaming in the world that i don't really think like there's not there's not a grinder or a tinder for satisfying <laughs> your kinks. And now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, I'm like, wait, I'm going to put that in my back pocket. Maybe there should be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. because, uh, yeah, well, Field I guess there's things like that life yeah. and you know, yeah, things yeah. of that nature. But I, I feel like maybe people might want something that's a little bit more easily accessible. Because I feel like, you know, my experience with fat life is a lot of fielding through emails that I'd rather not. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, emails? just time yeah. wasting, just a lot of like time wasters, uh, yeah. you know, are people who are kind of feigning, <laughs> feigning, you know, kink tendencies. Sure. But There's nothing worse. Yeah. There's really nothing worse. I'm sure you've dated, I've dated mm-hmm. uh, problematic people, let's say, that like pretended to be into uh, certain things. Then you find out like, hey, wh- where's the delivery on this uh, right. promissory note? Like, this is not happening. Or it comes out in ways that just shows that uh, you think that you are kink friendly, but really you're probably just working out some toxic you know, maligned behavior in a way that you think you can get away with it. Yeah, there is right? this, uh, <laughs> this a fine line. Yeah, right. right because uh, in a, uh, someone being dom or being a dom or something like yeah. that, they could also just be a sadist in mm-hmm. sheep's clothing or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and as anyone knows, that's not supposed to be the person who's actually in control in the situation. So, that's right. That's that's the uh, they're literally being of service in a dynamic. 
<laughs> not necessarily the boss. So, <laughs> you know, right. yes. but, you know, to the same hand, it's still like, it's still obviously an immense amount of responsibility, you know, and that's something I've begun to like learn a little bit more. Well, not a little bit, but a lot more about mm-hmm. in my scenes that have become more dominant. You know, I'm studying, uh, you know, other performers, I'm more aware in my scenes where I am being, I'm in the submissive role. Like when I'll work with like a JP, John Paul, Mm -hmm. the Pope from kink, he's a master at what he does. And I'm always like noticing he'll talk in between takes and scenes and he'll make mention of certain types of breathing, a Mm. certain pitch of a noise that you made that he literally just understands as breaking points or limits without the person actually having to say so. Mm -hmm. And like he'll have mentioned when he's done such and I'll be able to put it together that, yeah, he started winding down after like, you know, I made X, Y, Z noise and it's, just that sense of awareness and that attentiveness, you know, you got to actually be one hell of an empath to be a, a dom. Is That's very true. I've come to learn. Yeah, you have to so. be very in- intuitive, right? And yes. sensitive. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm both of those and I'm just anal about details and hyper aware. So I'm like, you know what? I think... <laughs> think i can hone this you yeah. know to be beneficial in that way well i think uh, well being anal is good anyway right but uh being anal about <laughs> details with that stuff i mean that's part of the fun yes because especially yes. when you get into like uh f- impact play or mm-hmm. things like that which is also something new to me that hey. I, I was like i'm not sure and then ada was like i think you like it and guess right. what i do I, very much right right it's it's very surprising you know i think you know, I know a lot of people, it, it's it's interesting to me, uh, the different like walks of life of people that will like it, you mm-hmm. know, you'll have people who enjoy impact play and things of that nature, because it's like a reclamation of like, consent and autonomy of your body mm. to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, channel and th- therapize like, some sense of trauma sure you know yeah. and then other people have just like sensory things that they like want to tap into that you know it's just it's the gamut of like how it works differently for people is so fascinating for me yeah it is so and also yeah. discovering things that i didn't know that i liked right. is quite a nice thing right and yeah al- and also exploring things is is great and i think a lot of people don't because of the heteronormative mm-hmm. roles that people assume. And also like these traps, much like the categories. Yes. It's things like, okay, I am this, I am that. So therefore, yes. I don't do that. I don't do this. Right. It's like, uh, you know, I got to say, it's kind of annoying. Sometimes I'm like, am I being punished for looking fit and young? <laughs> like, what the fuck? But I'm also just like, you know, I just need I, like a, a niche I kind of want to push for myself. If mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I just like young, fit, hot, goth stepmom like oh, more of like an arm candy piece yeah you know like uh like like okay thinking like um i think of like women like uh the not british mom in a uh, parent trap you know okay, that's yeah. sort of like yeah. new like rich kind of like bitchy wife but you know obviously a little bit more edgy i'm like i know there are ways for it to be done yeah you know it's just it's it's but again, you know, it's like a fight with the algorithm, you know, sure. um, and, uh, you know, but it's, it's to some degrees, I'm like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, instead of delving into like what obviously sells, 
you know, maybe just experiment and give people the idea of what they may not even know they like, you know, until they see it, yeah. you know? And I think that's so much of what porn is about anyways. <laughs> and so, so much too. of what sex is about anyways is like, yeah. well, you know, you just kind of slip and fall into something. You never might, <laughs> you never know how much you might like it. Right. Know. Because <laughs> it's hard to tell what influences the mass yes. production of say stepmom stuff yes. or MILF stuff. Is it that there was a, a glut of it? And then that was what was presented on the, I don't know, the Pornhub entry page or, well, you, you know. I mean, you think about it, though, like all that like incest porn only really became like super relevant, I want to say like in the early 2010s, basically, yeah. you know, it yeah. wasn't something that was like existing in the heyday of like, you know, 90s porn and, yeah. you know, it wasn't even a twinkle in the eye of anybody in like a deep throat era, really, right. you know, and so it's just, yeah, it's like that's such like a strange chicken or the egg sort of situation. Mm -hmm. And now it's like so far, the incest porn is so far gone that, that it's like, it's too permeated. I think, yeah. you know, for us to see, and I don't, for us to see an end to it anytime soon. It's not as though I don't think we'll like transition into like another era of like <laughs> yeah. what's popular and porn, but now we're kind of stuck here and it's, you know, I, you know, okay, so I'll say this sometimes, or, or, or I'll ask you this as well. Yeah. Do you ever find that you're searching porn because there's an element that you like of it, but it's not literally what you're searching for? Like, it's more so like, okay, I find myself like I might accidentally have to be like searching like, you know, a hot stepmom, Sherry DeVille, fuck, you know, son, but it's like, I'm not searching it because I like the premise. The, the premise, it's like, I like how the performer Ab is fucking the person and vice versa in that scene. And so it's like, you continuously just kind of <laughs> encourage that algorithm. And I'm like, right. oh. No, that happens know. all the time. And then there's some where I'm like, well, I'll just sort of pretend that that's not what they're saying. Exactly. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just exactly. tune it out. Yeah. You know, porn off or volume off. Like. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I really don't like for some reason mm. is good boy. Although oh, really? in that role, I like good girl. That's very interesting. Uh, so, do you find that there's like maybe a difference in like uh, one being more condescending than the other? I don't know. I don't. Um, it could be. It could be because I certainly yeah. like in. Uh, I love filthy talk. Filthy talk yeah. is my favorite thing. Yes. And uh, I just taped with Ashley Fires the other day, like the oh. the queen of filthy yes. talk, right? And um, but I don't like in any play uh, the be bitch being used. I don't. I don't I use it myself that, when I'm yeah. when I'm the you know when I'm daddy and, right, uh, and vice yeah. versa. But I love slut whore. Uh, yeah. No. I. 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 You know. I'm trying to think back. Has anyone specifically called me a bitch? More than likely, but yeah, I don't think now that I think about it that I would favor that over the others just because yeah it does seem like a little bit more charged i think you know? also when it's like take it like the yeah. bitch you are I, that right. stuff it's like that to me trends over into something else if someone yes. said hot bitch or something like that like you hot bitch, maybe that would be you know different. i i want to say like for me personally i would think that it's because i think bitch is like one of those derogatory terms that people find easy to throw around yeah. in conflict yeah and i think like you really got to be digging for it to be like you slut you whore you this you that mm -hmm. i think like bitch is a little bit more flippant so i think like when you try to do like slut or whore in a sense of dirty talk yeah. you can kind of assign your own meaning to it because it's not like as i wouldn't say it's not a go-to 
just not as much of a go-to <laughs> as not, bitch. It's not used it's like, as much right. in, in like everyday discussions. Yeah. Like they're such a bitch or there was this bitch right. at work or something like that. You know, or in music or whatever. Yeah, you right, know? right. It's, it, yeah, slut and whore is not the immediate like <laughs> pejorative. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm glad. Save it so it can be, you know, it can be malleable. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I get that. And I like, I could also just see like the masculine, like, uh, condescending connotation to good boy. I think that that's part of it as well. And and also, I never, it's funny because when we switch, uh, she's daddy, not mommy. Yeah. Like, I think that's so much hotter. And when I first saw a femme daddy scene, I was like, oh my God. Right. (laughs) No, I, uh, I think it's hot when girls of, all you know sexual ratios yeah. want to be identified as daddy or zaddy uh yeah. because yeah d- daddy is very much a frame of mind exactly. <laughs> you know it means its own thing. Yeah. yes yes <laughs> and uh, it, yeah it is definitely i think not reserved for paternal male uh figures yeah at all no. whereas like <sighs> and i had trouble at first huh. with that term because i'd never really used it and ada yeah. is typically uh or has traditionally been submissive yes. and uh likes that and yeah. so at first i was like I, I don't know and i was a little freaked out by using the term but then i came to understand that it's like a separate thing and now being an actual dad and yes, <laughs> daddy, right? i'm like oh they're totally different things <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no i was dating someone who had a kid and i was just like i don't think i can bring myself to call you daddy because <laughs> like i'm just aware of the fact that someone calls you that and i just i couldn't mentally separate it yeah but i think that was just like my own thing in that relationship i don't really think it was indicative of like <laughs> You can't. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was just me not being able to separate it. And it was also the first time I dated someone with a kid. So, yeah, I think I was just kind of like, must be aware and walk on eggshells. (laughs) Not walk on eggshells, but just be conscious Mm -hmm. of like what's being presented to you know, around or with an earshot right, <laughs> of yeah. a young mind. So, I was like, mm, mm, so let her have that. <laughs> how, um, and how old were the, the, was the kid and have you dated people with kids since then? Uh, I have not because that was within the last year. <laughs> and okay. they, uh, they were 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So that's a, yeah, an interesting age to um, be like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm the friend of your dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> friend of your daddy. Uh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, what's yeah. your, what are your dating um, habits or what are you currently doing? Currently, I'm trying to do nothing as much as possible, <laughs> which was my whole, like, it was a very big intent of mine once mm-hmm. when getting into porn. Uh, there was a myriad of reasons why I chose to do it. And one of the biggest ones was to not date. Yeah. I obviously failed at that miserably. <laughs> it's hard to avoid it. it just, it- <laughs> but I've come at the other, other end. We are single again. So congratulations. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You're I, welcome. I, I find that like that is the preferred journey for me right sure. now in terms of my own personal growth and healing. But yeah, yeah I very much so is like I wanted to deter people who didn't understand any sort of like ideology or have any sort of, uh, you know, just respectful feelings towards sex work because, you know, um, it's something I was able to fall on in a lesser time of my life, but then also able to like, 
choose with pride because it's a way in which I politically identify, Mm -hmm. you know, and I very much so was like, I want to deter people who don't share in that with me. And then I also was just like, I want to experiment and to be able to do all the things that I want to do without having to like expend the personal energy to either (laughs) date, you know, uh, casually or, you know, form the relationships in order to like partake in like group sex or whatever. I was just like, you know, no, I'm going to do it the professionals, <laughs> best I can get. Yeah, know? well, that that makes a lot of sense. It's, you uh, know, I like I said, it's not it's not the only reason, but it definitely played into that factor of like sure. you know, I only had this one physical body in this lifetime, and I think that you should try to experience as much as you possibly can. And like, why would you confine yourself so much? And I was like, you know what, safe tested yeah you know people generally know what they're doing and they're good I, at it right they're, they're good <laughs> at it the beautiful and you know and then i can walk away at the end of the day and like you know not not wash my hands of it but you know just not have to feel any sense of like i have to deal with the aftermath right you know yeah. um it's and, and you know, and I love that because that actually makes me a more uninhibited person. You know, I don't come into those situations with preconceived notions, obviously. It's like everyone's here to do a job, and I, you know, you can tap into that and like become unfettered because the, you know, being passionate and exuberant and in the moment is generally something, you know, you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. in those situations. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's strange. It's like, not knowing somebody, but mm-hmm. being in professional confines allows me to tap into being like relaxed and unfettered. That's wild, right? It's yeah. like for me going on stage or something, it's like way easier or, or like sort of DJing or doing something instead of just walking into a strange room. Yes. But I could do it in a, if I have a task or a professional capacity. Right. Easy. We just snap into a mode. It's yeah. It's an interesting phenomenon, you know, because like – you know, for instance, in my personal life, I was always very like, uh, kind of like, if, if I wanted a relationship, ideally, mm-hmm. it would be open. Mm. But I am of the mind that like, I don't necessarily want to have like threesomes or encounters with my partner. Oh, okay. Like, I'm very happy to go off and do my thing. And I'm very happy for my partner to also satisfy, you know, themselves outside of me. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's, some people don't really quite understand that, especially like as a performer, but it's like mentally I would come in with preconceived notions or insecurities that like just really aren't productive. Sure. You know, so that's my boundary there. But like, obviously like I can shake someone's hand <laughs> and someone else's <laughs> hand and then, you know, be fucking them 30 minutes later and yeah. think nothing of it because there is not, there is no pressure. There is no personal tie. Yeah, you know, no I, I get to enjoy it yeah. exactly for what it is. Right. Which makes it more focused and makes it more uninhibited. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yes, you can do apps and certain things to achieve the same thing, but at the same time, it's not as vetted. And it's such a roll of the dice. Yes. So before we uh, started rolling, we were talking about how you wanted to go to Showgirls. <laughs> Yes. And then discovered that it was not actually tonight. It was the night before. Yes, it was yesterday. Very sad. But you'll have to come back to LA and there's so many things yes. to go to. Like we were talking about Evita mm-hmm. before every Friday when it's in season. Yes. And then we were talking about, well, there might be something on. And then you said something yeah. very uh, sage. Yeah, but 
then I'm like chasing around. I'm trying to yes. find something, and it immediately reminded me of Grinder. Yes, when something falls through or someone doesn't respond, <clears throat> if I'm in the not this hasn't happened in a while, but I've been in mm-hmm. the wrong mindset, and then you're you're looking sort of for a salve for the bad mood you're in, yes. or something, and that's not the energy that you want to go out and find stuff in because you're not going to find something satisfying. Like, exactly, it never has worked. I remember there was a time in the mid pandemic. When uh, I had a couple bad hookups in a row, huh. and I was like, "Okay, I don't know what it is. If it's my energy or it's the world energy, but I'm off the grid right now. That's right. It. You're like, this isn't the outcome that I'm seeking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it was the classic thing of like the guy coming and then being like, "Oh, I gotta go." And I was like, "Yo, what? <laughs> right? Like, hi, like, yeah. yeah, not one of those. <laughs> no, that's real bad. Yeah, right. Oh, also, it's funny because I, I've I've gotten rushed a few times, and I'm like, all right, like, look, you know." I'm a devoted uh, edger and all yeah. that stuff. So it's like, you know, hey, hey, calm down. Right. I don't understand people who want to have really quick sex. I'm, I, There's a time and place, but... Uh, are fun every yeah, once in a while, sure, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I'm... You know, I, I grew an appreciation for longer sex mm-hmm. as I've gone into sex work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was just maybe just the uh, the field samples of people that I was in had relationships with before sex work uh you know the I guess the stamina wasn't really there. So I got conditioned to like a certain like length and time of sex. Would that also be a certain level of dissatisfaction with sex? Um no. I okay. I like I generally like enjoyed sex. I just like it it just you know I think it just I I was having more narrow experiences than I Mm -hmm. would, you know, care to admit, you know, but now it's like sex is an athletic activity for me now. Yeah. And it's all about endurance and duration, you know, and yeah, it's obviously, you know, you have to like savor and be responsive and, you know, I... I don't know. I I get like really impressed by people's like edging and stretching capabilities mm-hmm. because it's like I'll I'll see like you know I'll I'll start to like catch notice of like my own like insistency to like get to the climax. Yeah, you know. But then I'll you know in my camming t- days like you know I'll uh, have people hire me for a private for camming and have me on there for like an hour and literally their only desire is to see me orgasm for as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell me on the other end that like they've been edging the entire time. Right. Right. Until like the hour is almost up. And there I have been like, you know, 10, 12 times later (laughs) and I'm like, can the body come anymore? I don't know. Ah, You know, like have I, have I burnt it off yet? I don't know. Um, I don't recognize it anymore. We'll have to like wait till, right. You know, and I'm just, it, it, I, I marvel at that now and I admire it because I don't, I, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think it was just like a race to the end before. Sure. And now I just, you know, because I have so many different experiences and it's literally, you know, required of me. I'm like, all right, stop and smell the roses. <laughs> stop and smell the rosebuds. Yeah. Well, one of the wonderful <laughs> things, though, about uh, women is that you can come a number right. of times during a session without right. a refractory period. Right. I mean, strangely enough, I've actually been exposed to men now that have very short refractory periods. Really? you know the talented individuals that Absolutely. like are able to come 
multiple times on command and that's a feat in all itself absolutely it's very impressive right like it's i don't know how but (laughs) there's always the times where i think uh after like a long session of of uh watching porn and masturbating i'm like i'm really turned on so i'm gonna try to go again but i don't you know what i mean even like i've seen a couple videos where the guy comes twice i'm like okay i could probably do this and uh, then I'm, it just, you know, the, the uh, initiative leaves me or something. Right. Like, I, you know, I, after, sometimes after the first one, it's just like the patience is gone. You know, I, okay, it's uh, honestly, it's kind of, it trails back to what we were finding the other plans. It's like mm-hmm. I had the goal in mind. And if yes. I have to like go back to figure out something <laughs> else, I'm like, I don't have the energy there for it. Yeah. You know, and the, but then some days you're persistent and, uh, you have all the energy for it, but yeah. You know. <laughs> well, back to your camming days. Mm, when did yes. that? When did you start camming? So, um, that predated um, your it, OnlyFans, right? It did. It did. So I. And if you like some tea, I saw you go for the cup I before. Know, like, have a lovely, have a lovely sip okay, of tea, tea right? please. <laughs> and we can take a tea break too, honestly, because it, it'll get cold soon, and then. I'm going to take a big gulp right now. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take your time. There's no rush. You know, I'm I'm kind of strange with my tea and whatnot. Like, I love like a hot liquid, uh-huh. but at the same time, I don't want to sip on it forever. So I always end up kind of with like, I don't want to say like a lukewarm liquid, but like I'll pop an ice cube in there, like oh, okay. I do with my coffee and my tea. Oh, good. So, so I'm the like, lukewarm so I can, yeah, it's so, okay. Yeah, no, it's totally great. Like, great. you know, just, just a warm liquid. It doesn't have to be like piping hot. Yeah. Well, I like uh, yeah. I like room temperature water and iced tea. Uh, it's better for you. Is it's it? Better I didn't for, know yes. That. I so for so long I was like uh, drink ice cold water. It reacted, you know, it energizes your cells, therefore yeah. kind of giving you a little jolt into being awake, you yeah. know, uh, or whatever. Uh, but actually, cold water is very bad for your digestive system. I've learned recently. Oh wow, that's good uh, to know. You know, it, uh, and I guess like. Um, for for instance, you know how the the Europeans do it. They don't have ice. Everything is like you know, and, and it, you know and the worst. The gin and tonics you know? in England. I'm like, I, I don't know how you do that, I, right? I no, I I, I can't. Yeah, I don't know about alcoholic beverages on ice and all that. But <laughs> and, and of course, of all the the booze uh, of the boozes of the alcohols, uh, gin is the most repellent in my mind. Yeah. Warm. I, know I haven't yes. drank in a long time outside of mid pandemic, like, like cologne. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Like literally like cologne. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's exactly like cologne. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but you know, that I guess you know, I think of all Mediterranean continents, just or I'm sorry, continents, Mediterranean countries. That's okay. Just, I, I was uh, saying boozes. So <laughs> you know, the boozes of the continents. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, it just stocked full of pasta, cheeses, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Everyone's walking, drinking lukewarm water. So I don't know. Maybe they're, you know, they're going to have their cake and eat it too because they changed that one little thing where they're all conditioned to having the room temperature water. So I'm like, I guess maybe there's something to that. There's also something to the European uh, dedication to purity of food content. Yes. And that we don't have here. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, we don't. Especially being over in London. I didn't eat the ready-made food at first mm. because I was like, "Oh, those—that's poison," you know. Because here, right, what Stouffer's or or whatever, uh, it's garbage and it's very expensive. Like a uh, frozen pizza yeah. is like ten to thirteen dollars. Oh. 
Like, something like that let's say minimum seven dollars then uh but over in england like four pounds and that's like the higher end really oh yeah and there's like the uh, steak pies like a lot of times for breakfast i would have a pie Delicious. like yeah fantastic <laughs> what are some of your favorite foods oh gosh i'm all over the place um i i love mexican food mm. um i love sushi um I have a Mexican restaurant suggestion for you, by the I'll way. I'll take it. Madre. Take Madre. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll give you, I'll send you the address. Yeah, please. There's a whole slew of them that say like, there's some gracias Madre, but that's vegan. There's another. Yeah. I Yeah. I've been there before and I do enjoy that place. That was going to be my other thing is I, I love um, indulgent vegan food mm. because I love to eat something that tastes delicious and I can lie to myself about being healthy. <laughs> yeah, for the moment. So. You're, but you're very uh, seemingly health conscious. Uh, you work out and right? Like you're yes, very into fitness. Yeah. You're very fit. I, I, yeah, I think honestly, uh, being physically active over the last decade or two of my life has been one of like my saving graces in terms of like just, uh, moderating uh m moods and emotions sure. and you know um the older i've gotten i've learned about you know how the body retains trauma through muscle tension and things mm -hmm. of that nature and just like yeah being being motivated to move and be like healthy has been one of my saving graces and, and and it was also another factor in why i wanted to choose <laughs> sex work because i was like okay cool my whole job is centered around me like remaining like camera ready and being healthy and having to perform athletic sex like there was something really intriguing to me about being forced <laughs> to be healthier and hotter as i aged yeah <laughs> like, i was it, like cool great it, let's do it like life is hard like <laughs> <laughs> Let's pursue pleasure, and you know, you know. I, I know it sounds so like superficial, but no, it yeah, doesn't actually. No. It sounds spiritual because right. it's about feeling good, and yes. like I've been heavy various times over my uh, the, uh, yeah. my life, and lately I have been thinking about working out. Yes, because I never have before, huh. and it's also. There is also the temptation for Ada and I to restart her OnlyFans, but it, hey, yeah, you know, and I'm like, well, go. I'd have to, you know, cause I'm very, you know, when you have body issues or whatever, your life then, yeah, but I'm really not that far away from what I would want to do, which is basically hey. maintain. Yeah, exactly. Congrats so, then. Oh, thank like, you. Cause yeah. uh, you know, for, uh, when you think about it, that's hard for most of us to even like encroach on a point of being like, I am okay, yeah. you know, or I'm near where I want to be, where I want to be is attainable or I'm like 75% there, like whatever it is, yeah. you know? And I still, I mean, I still struggle with uh, body dysmorphia and everything. Mm. And also, you know, having the child last year mm. not of course i didn't have the child but uh still you know you're yeah. uh, stress eating a little bit and right of course of, yeah and so um, and your priorities are shifting outside yourself so yeah, yeah some things fall to the wayside of, like exactly. naturally right? yeah exactly yeah. so watching that but i also have uh not funny food habits but i would prefer not to cook uh that much because i'm just I, uh, adhd i get uh, it's a little overwhelming so yeah. do, do you cook as well so I will tell you that in the last few years, my cooking habits have like almost ceased. And <laughs> I, I will say that that's like, you know, pandemic as it was for all of us was an extremely depressing time for me. And it was, mm. a, it was a turning point in my life and not all of like my good habits have returned because for many, many years, 
cooking was like a meditative thing for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I but I made it as easy on myself as possible. Like I did like, you know, once the subscription meal plan oh, yeah. came out, you know, I was doing all that. Before that, I was like very like, you know, um, Meal, meal plan, yeah, meal planning. Yeah. But you know, I'm like looking up recipes and I'm basing my grocery list off of that. And I'm like, you know, I, I get very like, okay, on Monday this is this, on Tuesday I'm cooking that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that's sort of like for my ADD, that's where like uh, the meal subscription programs like came in and like saved it because yeah. it streamlined that experience. Did like I didn't have to waste time shopping, and then like everything's kind of quick prepared in a quick and simple enough fashion that it didn't like over complicate anything. And I was still able to have like that personal satisfaction of like making food, being exposed to different things I wouldn't have normally cooked for myself. Like it's all like kind of rudimentary, but there is like a, for me personally, like a pleasure out of like cooking and, um, but it is, now that like I've now that I, now that I got all depressed, um, it's been like it's it's hard to snap back into certain habits. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. And it's you know even like with like working out, I don't think like I've like really even since I've been in the industry, I don't think I like fully snapped back into my habits until like maybe last fall with wow. like working out. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that I wasn't working out before, but it was like always kind of like pocketed where it's like, yeah. oh, I've got like two or three really good weeks. And then like, maybe I didn't go for a month or maybe it was every other week. You yeah. know, it was just kind of hard to like snap into it. But yes. So it's like, it's, 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 I think it's just a, a lot of the times it's like, knowing how to like how do i work and like how do i operate the easiest so it's like but at that time it's like okay so it's like if i don't like how to cook i also understand the frustration of being like what is a meal or like a meal prep kit or whatever like that is actually going to be food that i want to eat you know or that i'll be motivated to eat on a regular basis like who's gonna appeal to me and like most of the pre-prepped meals are so health-based that it's like, are they even going to be good? You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to be alive and take care of yourself. It is. That's very <laughs> true. Hard. It is. That's very true. You know? Yeah. Especially when you're busy with a bunch of stuff. Cause yeah. I find it like the whole planning of what I'm going to get at the grocery store is sometimes something I get like a paralysis. Yeah. Uh, doing, and then I don't eat. Uh, and then, like, um, uh, my blood sugar gets all fucked up. Right. My mood goes right downhill. Yep. And then, um, so sometimes my go-to is like I'll order just like an egg burrito mm. because while I'm doing it, because I'm like, okay, I'm between three things. I'm editing something, and you know, right. oh, you know the editing. Yeah. Uh, uh, black oh, hole. Time-consuming. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Or you just oh wait, what? I time went by and I didn't eat something. Exactly. Yeah. No, I like. I yeah. They're so. <sighs> The brain is so powerful for how it wants to circumvent every good thing you want to do for yourself. <laughs> it's like just like a constant state of like having to manipulate myself or like yeah. learning little ticks and trip trips ticks. Ticks and trips, I like that. Yeah. Let's take some ticks and trips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, tips and tricks. That could be the title like, of the episode, Trips and Ticks with uh, and Charlie tricks, Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I am always sending myself on a trip because of all of my ticks. But <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> it's quite good. Right. It's quite good. You get quite but good like, linguistically you know, as well. Dumb things like, um, you know, doing like protein shakes or having like, I don't know, I've become really like... So the way that I avoid the blood sugar crash yeah. 
as I really only like, well, if I obligate myself to cooking a meal in the day, it's only in the evening. Mm -hmm. And the morning, I'm like, all right, I'm going to grab a Soylent shake. And then I snack throughout the day. I'm like, I'm not, I don't put the pressure on myself to do like a full meal unless like I have some time to like, you know, luxuriate. And, you know, because the ADD, I'm like, I could be cooking like, you know, eggs and like you know oh, I, I don't fucked know up eggs in the last uh, couple weeks right. i totally fucked it up and i was like i, I just fucked up eggs uh, right and it's just i give up you know yeah. uh, but like i'll find like i'll be cooking like the most simple of things and it's like an hour and 15 minutes later and i'm just like how and that's and that's again where like the meal subscription plans come in place because yeah. they're like we'll condense it to 30 minutes and i'm like I'm still going to make it 45, but that's <laughs> shorter than usual. So yeah, thank exactly. you. Thank you very much. And also <laughs> right. all the stuff is there. That's the thing. I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll be missing an ingredient. I'm like, oh, I can't make that. And then the other right. stuff spoils. Exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's just the ways that you have to like manipulate to make like life work for you basically so so we don't starve and waste away <laughs> well making, li- making life work for you though yeah. is really what you've been doing over the last yes. few years i don't know how many years exactly oh but yeah i totally i just no, no, realized i we didn't even do the cam question <laughs> i like okay. don't even know how i trailed off from that well you've heard the show that's what that's like what i do right and i'm like hey wait a second let's go back i'll well, pluck that back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my uh, t- uh, tri- uh trips and ticks yeah there we go there we go we went on a trip we did yeah but i guess to trail back to that yeah i started my only fans and my professional production career um at the end of summer 2021 i initially tried my first hand at camming um I want to say it was winter of 2018 but i have been like long exposed to sex work Prior to that, I had family members who had done it, um, you know, uh, and I had always had like a very big personal fascination with it. Sure. Um, I I must have been like maybe 20-ish, 21. Um, there was a, there's a, I think it was the Las Vegas Weekly or one of the local papers out there. They had mm-hmm. a column written by a stripper. Oh, okay. And uh, she would just talk about her like, just her exploits and her experiences. And, you know, she would put things into perspective about how, like, you plan, like, seasonally as a sex worker, you know, like, oh, you know, I I know things are going to be flush right now because the CES convention is in town, you know, or whatever it is that was, you know, Vegas-centric and, you know, started to learn the ebbs and flows. And then I was, like, exposed to the idea that, like, you know, uh, People who are disabled, you know, older, whatever, seek out sex workers. Right. Because, you know, and then just, and I, and I know maybe it seems obvious to some people, but it was just some th- things that I hadn't conceptualized before that like really largely humanized it to me mm-hmm. and made me see such like a larger function of it in society as a whole. And, you know, I just started getting indignant about how like I couldn't understand like, how you could exploit every other facet of the human experience, but people can't autonomously choose to exploit their sexuality. Yeah. You know, but I like, you know, I've worked for corporations that I, you know, I've done all sorts of other jobs and felt 
much more exploited than I am now. And like, yeah. you can see every centimeter on my body on the internet if you want to. <laughs> right. And it's like, I think about it and it's kind of startling, but it's very easy for me to get over because of how I experience my day-to-day life. And also I just, I don't mind. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Otherwise I wouldn't have done this. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I think of, you know, I, yeah, I you know I've been having this conversation a lot because you know as I'm sure you know, uh, the industry is under a ton of speculation and we're always kind of yeah. scapegoated. Uh, uh, yeah, always. Isn't there some new bill that someone's trying to pass to make? I don't know something like people have to register their ID with Pornhub or something. Yeah, so that's kind of the the Pornhub documentary that's out right now um, and just the issue that's been happening with Pornhub was because there's been all these evangelical groups that mm. uh, put Pornhub under fire for child sex trafficking porn right. or porn with minors. And it was these small select incidences um that basically cost the website as a whole like millions of scenes and you know it basically what it was is to solve the problem of removing the terrible indecent porn that had no place in being on there yeah it had to remove all the unverified porns and all the unverified users um and so yeah it is um I kind of think I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> now that I That's think okay. about it, I, 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 um, it's the kind of like the the witch hunting, yes, that they that uh, the evangelical or the far right do with currently trans people, yes. uh, sex workers. It's the old. It's go-to. a deflection. Yeah. It's a giant deflection to like because you know, and when I think of like sex trafficking, I'm like. D- if you want to think about sex trafficking, it's essentially the grooming that happens in like churches and everything, you know, I I wish I could think of her name, but I know there's like a lawyer on TikTok who literally is only making updates on a weekly basis, Mm -hmm. reporting, uh, pedophilia charges or, you know, any sort of sex with a minor charge, any, anything like that. And it's all primarily pastors, government officials, yeah. religious officials, nary a fucking drag queen in sight. Oh, no, it's never a, you know, a drag queen. Like, and, and, you yeah. know, they, they specify, the right wing likes to specify mm-hmm. that one uh, instance of, of sexual assault that was perpetrated by a trans person or someone who says they're trans. I'm not sure of the specifics of it yeah. uh, at the moment because there's another case where someone was using the defense that they were trans, I think, in the same way that Harvey Milk's killer used the Twinkie defense. And again... <sighs> I don't. I can't remember the specifics. So, right. if anyone listening is yes, m- help. upset about that, <laughs> I will double. I'll verify before going uh, yeah. putting it up. But uh, even the the one instance, which is terrible, obviously what happened. But it's one person. Now, if we applied that same metric to priests, like, uh, they would shut down the churches. You would hope. You would yeah. hope, but it's like, yeah, it's it, like I said, it's just like this perfect deflection to like demonize. It's like this last, uh, you know, grasp at uh, attempting to demonize marginalized groups so other facets of society don't have to take responsibility for the harm that they cause. And it's easy to point a finger (laughs) and also because people who are sexually liberated are scary to those who are not because it threatens uh, heteronormativity and just uh, like sort of following the dots. Yes. Yes. 
<sighs> well, yes, that was a long-winded way to say that I have been exposed and been a fan of sex work for a very long time. <laughs> well, we just paused for a moment, and uh, <laughs> your comment to me delighted me. Yes. You, you noticed something. Uh, 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 Craig has an excellent uh, movie poster from the movie Perfect, starring John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis. It is an amazing embodiment of athleisure fashion and yeah. the sexual focus of the late 70s early 80s on uh, aerobics and mm -hmm. whatnot uh yeah and i'm just kind of obsessed with jamie lee curtis to begin with it's hard not to be have you, yeah. seen, have you seen love letters <laughs> no i haven't what is that there's a lot of sex in it oh yes okay yes uh, very passionate scenes with her and i think stacy keach it could be james keach so Ooh. if i get the keach wrong you know <laughs> it's with the keach. yeah so <laughs> keach fans out there just don't don't take don't take it a task uh it's really good yeah okay if i have the uh, file of it i'll send it to you please do yeah i have a, a jamie lee curtis an older jamie lee curtis film on deck right now that i've been saving and it's the dorothy stratton uh, that's so Food? wild. I was like, I wonder if it's Death of a Centerfold. That's so funny. Yeah. One of the video discs over there is Star 80. Oh, damn. Yes, I've like, I've, uh, you know, we were speaking about reality TV earlier. Yes. And I've become a really big connoisseur. Uh, you know, I, I know certain types of TV you might say will rot your brain, but I'm pretty sure reality TV has helped cure my depression. I don't care what you say. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about guilty pleasures and how that, yeah. I don't believe in them, and the same thing goes for that. Yes, yes. I was just, yeah, I was describing to Craig earlier how when I was younger, I was so vehement about like not believing in guilty pleasures and you didn't have to enjoy or like everything in life, but I just, like, I saw, I, I grew up around, you know, tough punk rock dudes and yeah. you know was always going to those sorts of shows and whatnot but like i mean people like britney spears are very formative in my sexuality as a young person <laughs> and so i was a very huge fan of pop music i always have been yeah. and it was very much like people put time sweat effort and oh, yeah. talent whether you see it as that into these things but also like pop music and things of the nature they don't hurt anybody no, they make they people happy. Have, exactly. It makes people happy. Like literally, it's like the BPMs in the music. Like, there's been periods in my life where I have been so depressed that I knew that I could only handle listening to certain pop music. Yeah. Literally. And, yeah. I, and I knew it was because the BPMs would keep me like in a happier, peppier state. Absolutely. You know? Uh and yeah, some and the same goes for some fucking trash reality television. Mm -hmm. That bullshit, as well as the glitz and glamour that they like to pile on top of it, is going to yeah. allow me to escape my life for a moment, or maybe put some of my own toxic shit into perspective. <laughs> Who knows? You know, well, I, I think those, <laughs> I think those shows, specifically the Bravo shows, they, they're like sociological examinations. Yes, uh, especially lately of heteronormativity and the problems within mm -hmm. when it comes to cheating. I think yes. cheating is such a plague, and I'm so thrilled to be in uh, a non-monogamous. Uh, relationship right because uh, a relationship before someone cheated on me for a very long time was actually mm. kind of a they sandoval me if you want to if you <gasps> oh, want to put it that way heaven uh, forbid. <laughs> how dare they <laughs> how dare they yeah. and it ended, up, it ended up working out great though it's like yeah. you know like finding not the silver lining but uh it was great because it freed me of this person the catalyst exactly right? yeah to where i'm at now which mm. was like ex now exploring all kinds of stuff right. discovering i'm queer 
I don't know how many Hell years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> congrats, BTW. Belated congrats, because I remember like being there for that journey. <laughs> like, like, yeah, no, it was awesome. Thank I you. Mean, I really appreciate you? that. Doing it in a public, you know, in any sort of public-facing fashion, like... That's tough and, you know, just uh, not everyone can do it or feel like, you know, um, like it's easy for them to discuss, you know, or, or like they have the audience that like is going to accept that. Well, you thank know? you. I really yeah. appreciate that. And and yeah. like now we've been talking about like the gender play yeah. stuff. It's funny because it's, it's like not, not taboo, right. but it is kind of taboo, but it's yes. like it's exposing uh, an aspect of yourself, which mm-hmm. I, I'm curious with you. Mm. Uh, not to deflect for myself, but I'll talk about myself all day long. But uh, you can use me to deflect, Craig. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I'd, be happy, I'd be happy to use you. Right. <laughs> <Here> I am. <laughs> but um, because I was thinking about mm. this first time I had sex in a playroom. Oh, uh, yeah, which okay. which was fantastic, and yeah. also the great uh, aspect. Another great aspect was that no matter how jaded some of the folks were there, mm. I don't think they expected to see a, a pregnant lady. In a fetish gear, blowing me. You know, like it's Hell just, yeah. and I'm in fish. That is not even yeah. what I expected you to say. So I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> that, Go on. Oh, I take that <laughs> yeah. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I, you know, that's, that's interesting that, um, the sexuality of like a pregnant woman is something I've actually very recently come to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had like friend performers talk about, you know, that being something that they're like very fascinated and seeing like those different bodily functions be like celebrated in a sexual yeah. way. Cause it's just like, yes, it is happening for the, you know, reasons of creating life, but that doesn't detach itself from the body or the person that they're happening to. Right. And so that means that they, you know, they can experience that. Yeah, exactly. In any way they want, you know? So, and sexuality is a part of that. Like, I'll tell you, Craig, I remember being in high school and um, I went to community college high school for my last two years. So I had a college ID and I stuck into a sex store when I was 16 uh, with some older friends that I had at a time. And it was my first time seeing pregnancy porn, like on the shelves, on the DVD shelves there. And I remember, I like didn't, I didn't know how to compute it. Like I was so upset and like scandalized by it. Like I started crying in the middle of the porn store. Like I look back on, I'm like, who was that person? (laughs) But I'm also just like, yeah, it's just so strange. Like, you know, like, yeah. Like why should a person like be stripped of that? Like that's, and I, I applaud uh, your partner for celebrating themselves and I bet they looked really sexy in fetish wear. Absolutely, over, yeah. Over the belly bumps and, yeah. Oh, I'll show you the picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right? And she, she premiered the belly on stage because yes. uh, she did, had, it was their first show uh, since the pandemic started and right. of all her wares and then she came out near the end, you know, the designer uh, and then she had a cape and then unfurled the cape and then everyone went wild. Okay, I feel like I recently have seen another fetish model do this named Tessa Karagi. I'll have to investigate. Yeah, like, and I and I thought it was so incredible when she did it. So I'm sure it was so incredible when your partner did it. Like, I I love that you know the more instances thinking yeah. you know women and mothers are sexy and don't like devoid you know uh, they don't turn it d- into something else yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah. You Which, know again because there's a there's a inherent misogyny in that way of thinking and an ageism yes uh yes even though there's obviously young mothers but there's still this this notion i guess it's sort of like the madonna horror complex 
like literally like in action yeah. <laughs> like the crossroads yeah. of it like yeah exactly uh, yeah but no that's amazing yeah. no thank actually i just realized i could put a clip in because i filmed the show yeah and so we have that moment i want to see it oh yeah i'll show it to you thank Yay. you yeah and i just like love fetish gear to begin with and just you know seeing different like formations of it yes yeah yeah, yeah i'm i'm I wait with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have yeah. any favorite fetish uh, gear? Any uh, pieces of kit that are really currently ringing the um, bell for you? I really love latex and wish I had. I always wish I had more latex. Um, it's expensive. <laughs> so, you know, that's why we just like accumulate slowly. Um, yeah. I've, you know, it's funny. Like one of my most favorite pieces of fetish gear is actually... Um, I have a strap-on harness mm -hmm. and it's like very slim cloth and it's like the fewest bells and whistles, but it's so like utilitarian with just like being like minimalist uh -huh. as well as sexy. I really like, I love that. But yeah, I, overall I would say like the greatest fetish fashion piece is always going to be latex. Mm. And that's a commitment yeah. too, right? Because you have to yes. uh, shine it and yes yes you gotta like you know baby powder the skin to get mm. into it it's it's it, you know it's a whole ritual and process and like i yeah i i kind of um yeah i love anything with like a ritual and a process to it and like a preparation for it like you know it for it to like result in like adornment yeah you know sure. um like obviously we've t both talked about like our shared love of like drag yes, you know yeah. and uh so much of my job now is focused on you know glamorizing myself and i luxuriate in that process you know yeah. i really love that so you know self-care yeah. really you got it right yeah, yeah. exactly it's you not got superficial it. it's self-care see yeah. I, I, that's what i was telling you i was like yeah i liked this i i chose partially chose this profession because i was like wow it's gonna really force me to take care of myself all the time you know and that's and that's the thing is like i just don't think people want to associate that sort of like uh i don't know uh wellness self yeah or wellness or self-worth or regiment or anything with sex workers it's like you know they immediately want to uh always associate it with like the the worst potential outcomes it's like yeah. I, it's, there's no denying that sex work is definitely not all roses and fun by any means sure. but it is not collectively a terrible thing you know and some of the the porn girls and porn boys i guess men, men and women <laughs> sorry everyone men, men and women and everyone in between porn are people. some of yes the porn peoples are some of the healthiest fittest most organized people you know it's like they they don't really like you know they don't associate us with being like entrepreneurs who use our bodies as tools right you know and i and i am sure that you know drag queens and other performers are like you know obviously had like their fair share of being thought of that way you know but luckily there's been I, I want to say the transcendence of, you know, exposing like the, the performance and the, t uh, like the myriads of fucking talents that yeah. you have to be a drag performer. Yeah. It's like, I still can't get over how like we went so much into like lauding it to like now being in a place where like, 
we want to potentially outlaw it in places. Like I can't wrap my head around that. Nor can I. I, It's so fucking crazy. Like how the pendulum swings, but it's definitely just like we were talking about earlier. It's like the last ditch deflection. Right. You know? Yeah, it is. And it's scary to see even like in New York, uh, some people trying to protest right. just regular drag shows. Forget drag shows for ch- for kids, right? Like, like even and which is crazy in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, drag queens are just good for society as are sex right. workers. You know, because a lot of people could get um, well, like you said before, um, disabled people or, yes. or differently able people. But there's a whole host of things. Or you know, what's wrong with uh, if you're uh, you have a kink for something you can't find someone who you want to do it with. Why don't you go to an expert? You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it back to something we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If I know I want to eat well and I want to <laughs> eat in an efficient way, yeah. And I order me some takeout, or if I get a meal subscription kit, and I don't take the time to grocery shop and formulate a fucking relationship with all the ingredients that I need to satisfy myself, you're not gonna hold that against me, right? <laughs> so if I like. <laughs> know exactly what I want sexually and I know that I can attain it in like a safe and sane way. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is anybody else to say boo about that? Yeah. You know? And it's like, I get that, you know, there are people who could not stomach the thought of having a nude on the internet, right. but I can, and it's not hurting me, you know? It works uh, for you. So yeah. why should anyone else care? Exactly. And when you discovered that it worked for you, mm. like the first time mm-hmm. you cammed, Yes. What was the situation and what led you to it? Was it, was, yeah, I was going to guess, but did you tell me? So, um, I was working a a corporate job. Mm -hmm. I worked in a creative department. I really, I really loved the job. I was in a happy place in my life. Uh, was it production design or something? Uh, Um, yeah, I was doing set and prop design for an online retailer and, um, I was working somewhat or was dating someone who also worked at that company. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess long story short, that person's life was super intertwined with mine uh, you know, waking up in the same, under the same roof together, yeah. driving in the same car to the same building together, you know, yeah. day in, day out. It's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't terrible because we actually did get along really well, Yeah, but we got along so well and the way that we essentially just kind of became roommates sure. who, you know, lived together. And I, you know, as I kind of described earlier, like I had taken like a big interest you know, uh, in sex work, I was always, I was always interested in reading around the psychology of sex, just everything that had to do with it. And like, you know, I was very sexual in my prior relationships. I might've even been like accused of using sex as a bandaid in some of my prior relationships. And like, well, it's a handy bandaid and it's you know, the most fun, maybe a lot of, a lot of people tended to like it. They were not <laughs> mad. <laughs> you know, it worked. Yeah, they didn't get cross afterwards. Like, wait a second, you solved this problem with the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I, I continue to solve a lot of problems with my pussy to this day. <laughs> Praise me, Praise <laughs> you know, me. right? Uh, but essentially, the relationship had turned pretty sexless, mm. and I had had a girlfriend who was experimenting with camming outside of her full time job, mm. and she just kind of like, 
you know, I was in debt to her to a certain degree because she did a lot of like the kind of research and the understanding of how, you know, what programs you needed, what, you know, do's and don'ts, good sides, you know, and she was also a very tech savvy person. Um, And so I, I greatly benefited from her experience in that. And I also saw how much self-satisfaction she got out of that. Mm -hmm. And so she invited me to do a show with her one night. I told my partner about it at the time, my boyfriend at the time, and he was surprisingly okay with it. I mean, and that, and that really speaks to the fact that like, we did truly have like a pretty decent friendship underneath everything. Like, and there was just not a lot of aggression or, uh, there just wasn't a lot of tension. He was just like, great gone uh and then uh i did it and i loved it i loved the ease of it i loved the autonomy of it i loved that you know i loved the process of like dolling myself up but like i didn't have to take myself anywhere i took i took myself to my girlfriend's bed and you know we just had a cute little time and it was fun and interactive but felt they're just i I was really hard pressed to think of any sort of harmful factors. Sure. You know, because uh, even at that point in time, like, you know, there was the safeguards you can put on the camming sites where, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, no one in your state can view oh, it, okay. you know? Yeah. So that was something that I did for quite some time mm-hmm. just out of like safety and precaution. And it just gave me peace of mind while I was like easing into being comfortable with that exposure. And now, Everyone I know knows that I do that I do this. And, you know, um, I've been lucky enough that like, you know, I haven't had any negative reactions, but to backtrack, uh, the camming was successful. Yeah. I really liked it. I really took to it. And I very quickly understood that uh, I was not having an issue sexually and I was still very much a sexual person. There just was no sexual dynamic to that relationship, really. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of like the slow burn into because this yeah this is end of 2018 into 2019 that i did that and then pandemic happened yeah and uh yeah unfortunately during pandemic i was dating somebody who played as though that they were okay with that facet yeah of me and they were not, and essentially prohibited me from doing anything like that during oh, no. our duration of lockdown together. Oof. And so once I was able to, you know, uh, after lockdown ended and I was able to, you know, end that relationship yeah. uh, and go about my Very happy well. life, uh, <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm going to dive into this head first. I really enjoy this. I want to go all the way. I feel like I don't have anything to lose. Like I, like I said, it's politically how I identify and I wanted to lean into doing something that I don't know. You resonated with on multiple levels. Exactly. And then like would also be able to support myself in ways that I had not before. Sure. You know, um, you know, when we talk about like depression and whatnot, you know, due to the restrictions and other bullshit and that relationship, you know, and leaving uh, my successful corporate job prior to pandemic, I was in quite a state of depression. 
Was this the first time you had a big state of depression or was this a recurring thing? Because it seemed, yeah. It's, uh, it, <laughs> it is a beast I've been battling my whole sure. life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is probably the worst I've ever experienced mm-hmm. because it had a lot to deal with like my autonomy as an adult. Uh, and Which, how I would intertwine it with other people. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Because right? that can get chipped away. So would you say something in the mm-hmm. codependent range of uh, wares? Uh, I can get that way. I can sure. get that way. Uh, have a tendency to let people get that way with me. <laughs> sure. I, I, believe me, I relate. You right. Know, and I've been very sort of uh, vigilant about not doing that. And sometimes you can be a little hyper vigilant, but that's, yes. uh, you can say that about a lot of things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, do you think uh, that that has something to do huh. with the, the, your approach now to just basically being single? Yes. No, absolutely. And that was, that was my intention getting into sex work. Cause I was just like, I wanted to repel relationships essentially so to speak yeah uh you know and i like i said i wanted to be able to support myself in a way that i hadn't before you know and for the first six months of sex work or yeah full-time sex work i was still heavily like not getting out of my bed not showering not changing my clothes yeah sort of depression for like days like i would shoot and then it would be like a week of me like just in stasis and yeah. then I and then I would muster enough energy to shoot, and then I would go back to stasis. And it was like that for quite some time. And I know that sounds bleak, but when I think about it, I think about how I couldn't have handled the obligation of any sort of other job that would demand me eight, nine hours plus a day mm-hmm. to be functioning when I was not in a state of functioning. And I just, I it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, they people wouldn't want to hear about that because it doesn't suit the narrative of how harmful sex work is supposed to be. And I'm like, no, sex work allowed me to have a more than livable wage while I could barely function as a person. Right, which is really impressive. And also it's making your life work for you because (laughs) also people who don't experience depression or who think that depression is just you're having a bad day or you're not looking on the bright side of things. They really don't understand because I didn't even realize the level to which depression had been a factor in my life because you just start to think of it as the weather. Oh, that's how it is for this stretch of time, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the shame about the periods of days when you're yeah. in gremlin mode right oh my god that's literally <laughs> exactly what i called it like my i like oh my god i have i have this really old american apparel 3x shirt ironically enough it has a black and white picture of sasha gray on it that i've had for <laughs> years and like for whatever reason that was like my depression gremlin shirt sure and that was like i would just like wear that shirt and like nothing else <laughs> it was like my weird security blanket but yeah i would just like tell my roommate i'm sorry i'm like going back into gremlin mode and she was really great at like compensating for me at that time yeah. and you know i had the time to like heal and eventually get back to like you know the productive you know active person you know that Engaged. i know to be exactly yeah. the yeah. the person who literally like wants to schedule out every freaking you know hour of my day to you know be as proactive you know as possible yeah. and and productive as possible you know or or you know even like you know s- scheduling like my playtime or relaxing like uh, i i will get down to that much of a regimented life whereas like you know before i'm just existing as a gremlin blob and people 
<sighs> I don't know why anyone would think that you would want to choose to be like that. Oh, no, absolutely. And as I much that- as I love being a lazy piece of shit. Well, don't get having, me wrong. <laughs> having lazy days or when you're binging a show or something, that's one thing. Yes. But, you know, when you, you can get into a whole other thing, which we both clearly have gotten into at times and try to avoid yeah. getting into. Uh, and recently, in the last six months or something mm. like that, I was officially diagnosed bipolar after a manic episode or hypomanic, I'm not sure, last summer. It was a lot mm. of pressures and a lot of stress. And it was the kind of thing where I was waking up after 45 minutes right. and I was up. I was tired, but I was awake. And um, as you said about pop music before, you know, sometimes you have these albums that, that you got to listen to this playlist or that. Yeah. For me, it was the Clash's Sandinista. Oh, wow. It was on a loop okay. the whole time. Yeah. It was a good album. It is a great <laughs> yeah, album. It was a and, good fucking and album. And now I realize I think I know all the words to Magnificent Seven almost. And that was yeah. the first song that Peter fell asleep to, our son, ah, when he was uh, oh. outside the wall. Um, <laughs> um and um, because probably it hurt it so much. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, I know this. Oh, this one. This is <laughs> yeah. comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so since then, I've been prescribed Lamictal, which mm. has been life-changing for, right. for me. And it's one of the only mood stabilizers that will not affect sex drive. And yay. Oh, and uh, and also doesn't lead to weight gain because, you know, I have issues right. with that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, And when I was doing research on it, I found that lithium killed Bob Fosse's sex drive. And if you're going to kill Bob Fosse's sex drive, right. no, who, ah. who, who has a chance? No way. And <laughs> not I, the Fosse. Not the Fosse. And oh. so he, he went off and he was like, I'd right. rather deal with the dark days. <laughs> you know. I'm sure his sexuality is a little bit of like impulsivity control. <laughs> Impulse control as well. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's its, its own little demon. But, you know, um, as... I've learned so many people who bring so much to this world fight a shit ton of demons. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, around that time I was reading Pete Townsend's book and and uh, I'm, I love him. He's actually going to do the show. No fucking way. He was going to, before the pandemic, I was supposed to fly back at the end of March and be- My parents had the empty glass record on like oh, constantly God. as a kid. Oh, that's so great. Oh, look. Yeah. There's right there. a, maybe it's out of frame, but uh, yeah, I'll put a drop of still in. Yeah, all the best cowboys Amazing. have Chinese eyes. Yeah, that's yes. the other album I was like, that's a two to loop. My Spotify end of year was hilarious because it was uh, <laughs> Bass Dances Part Two off this album. It was just like yeah. Pete Townsend, The Clash, The Clash, Pete Townsend, The Clash, <laughs> like, The Clash. I was, I was in something, all right? <laughs> yeah, was, it was, it was the, a mood. That was the cocktail, okay? <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's what I needed to mm-hmm. sort of uh, get by, yeah. I, and I've noticed, and then I noticed that I. I mean, I, as you know, from the show uh, previous, like I get really into tunnels and pop culture. Yep, same. And yeah, and I think, I bet this is the same with you. And maybe I didn't realize this for a while. I think that sometimes the symptoms uh, or, you know, trending towards an episode or one way or the other, direct that energy into obsessively learning about something. Now there is my just interest in general right? and hyper-focus from ADHD, but I started to figure out that yeah like again the clash it wasn't just sandinista i learned everything about stuff and i yeah. thought i knew a lot about them no no i got into like joe strummer who turned out probably bipolar so there was a whole thing happening. right it's yeah. like a full circle like nosedive <laughs> yeah no exactly. it's it's very like i i i tend to be like you know i i because i i know a lot of you know i I guess it's birds of a feather. I know a lot of mentally ill people. (laughs) (laughs) We're the best kind, right? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And I I didn't know that that tends to be like a factor that like will 
we'll all experience is like just bouts of hyper focus, bouts of like uh, obsession over certain things. But I will say that I would take a bout of hyper focus on a pop culture element rather than like battling like um abusive substance sort of like yeah. fixation yeah. you know um yeah I, I just think it's like oh this is my propensity to learn and i'm just doing it about something that is fun for me yeah because you the share the pop culture yes. uh fanatic thing and i was so touched and thrilled that you mentioned the perfect poster incidentally yes. i have to mention as i do on many shows i got to see that finally on the big screen at the new beverly oh with the, uh, as a double feature with another film by the same writer director that I'll have to send you called Mike's Murder that I, I am oh, obsessed shit. with Deborah okay. Winger and Daryl Larson is fantastic. But anyway, I just I forgot to mention that before. Yes. So, and when you see it on the widescreen because it's so it's cropped on the home video, it yeah. actually makes more sense. <laughs> I have a widescreen version. I'll send you. But uh, so, what are some of your favorite films currently? Ooh. I know that you expressed a fondness for The Graduate in one of the videos I watched. Yeah. The Graduate is one of my all-time favorite films just because uh, when I first watched it in high school, it was like really clear to me to see how it had influenced films Yeah, and uh, that had come after it. Mm -hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the director... Oh my gosh, I this might be a big kerfuffle if i'm incorrect in this, oh don't but isn't worry the about director that. of the graduate the same director of closer i think yeah mike nichols yes yeah yes and so yeah i kerfuffle seen, avoided <laughs> yes uh, you know um i was gonna say earlier like uh my my brain operates like a magic eight ball i tend to tell people uh got a lot of information and there's like a lot of weed and trauma smoke in between <laughs> that information and like me sharing it sure uh, so i'm always just like yeah i need some like context clues and some time and like eventually the answer <laughs> will like shake up to the surface and uh, sometimes when it comes too quickly i'm like i don't know if i should trust that <laughs> so, I know I was like, so i was like this might be a kerfuffle but yeah but so, actually no, you were right it's <laughs> that funny thing where we think that we're wrong because mm -hmm. of the differences between us and maybe uh some other neurotypical or however right. you want to say it yeah and we down ourselves but actually your associative thinking is probably higher than some other people's Yes. And associative thinking is a wonderful thing. If we're not in gremlin mode, right. then it's horrific <laughs> yeah. and we ruin it. <laughs> oh my God, you're absolutely correct. It's like <laughs> the tailspin of associative thinking that can just, yeah, I my personal tragedy ends up in like the world dilemma at large and how, you know, humankind is all bad. You know, it, yeah. everything always like balloons out. Yeah. Terrible, terrible time to have associative thinking. Yeah. But, I think of it like dominoes falling. Yeah. It's like one thing somehow reminds me of something and then it's <laughs> down to something that's a painful memory. Right. From some other time, which I found to be much less so on the Lamactal. So. Which is amazing. See, and that's like, you know, I think, um, in my mental health journey, I've been told that sometimes that diagnosis is not important. But at the on the same hand, I've also seen diagnosis answer a lot of questions again. People uh, roadmap, yeah. But I, for me, I found more personally uh, beneficial. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? But uh, wait, what, wait, wait, what have you found more beneficial? The oh, having diagnosis. Oh yes, ha okay. having the yeah, roadmap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, to I thought you meant something other than that, and I was curious no. about because everyone has their own way of right. you know dealing with things. Right. Yeah. Um. 
But no, I, I've found being able to narrow down something was how I'm able to kind of like uh, devise an attack on how to deal with it, you yeah. know, and how to cope with it. It's the more information I know, the better I can plan. That's how I am as well. You know, when there was, uh, before the Adderall shortage was officially announced, when I came back from England, right when mm-hmm. the pandemic started, there was all this uh, changing generics. I was right. like, why, why does my pill taste different than right. it did before? And I didn't think much about it. And then suddenly I wasn't operating uh, as normal, but I didn't know how to parse out what was depression from the pandemic right. or that. And then I went on this deep dive and reading all the stuff and there's like six different generic manufacturers and I'm hearing stories of other people having issues with this. Basically, Walgreens, CVS, they all changed the manufacturer. So they're saving a few pennies or something and people aren't getting the same level of medication. I, for all of my fellow ADHD, ADD, attention deficit folk, uh, I have a tip for everyone that I have come into uh, with my own difficulties, you know, finding medication in the last year or so. Get your prescriptions at Costco. Really? Get your prescriptions at Costco. Um, I, since the, um, since the lack of supply, I don't think I've ever experienced more than two weeks having to wait for it. And that's simply because I did not call in the prescription. Like they will have waits, but it is nothing compared anywhere else. I have yet to have to switch to anything generic and the cost value is insane. I admittedly do not have insurance and I pay less than $25 for my monthly prescription of Adderall at Costco. That's fantastic. Yes. And so I feel I take it upon myself to share this wherever I can because I know for some people this is (laughs) life-saving, like, you know, uh, pain-saving information for a lot of people because I know that's been such a huge issue. Massive issue. Yeah. Yeah. I've switched to Dexedrin. Oh. The Bob Fosse drug, I call it, because that's hey. what he took. But uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not a sexy drug. They don't prescribe it a lot. Oh. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's in great quantity. And right. it was, uh, I've got that prescription in the UK. And now I can continue that prescription over here. Because also mm. the other thing that I found helpful is going to a queer clinic. Hey, right, right. They treat right. you like a person, unlike strange. some other clinics. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> Isn't that odd? <laughs> so strange. Yeah. <sighs> when did to be treated like a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did you first uh, discover that you were either queer, bi, pan, however you would like to define it? Um, it was probably in elementary school when um, I was super obsessed with the Spice Girls and I was really boisterous about it and just like um would go on like long tangents describing what I liked about them so yeah. much and I like remember being like told by other adults that like oh like you really seem to like the girls huh <laughs> uh y- yeah and it just kind of like progressed from there yeah. and then just you know as I kind of understood what gayness it was throughout like middle school and high school and whatever i was like yeah i get that <laughs> this seems I to make think, sense i think i get that yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and i mean i don't know i just think like uh, life is weird and hard and there mm. are like positive and beautiful things to glean out of everything and i feel like you should try to do that as much as you can and i think you're only inhibiting yourself by not doing that with people. Yeah. You know? Um, if you feel like yeah. a sort of pull towards something. Yes. Investigate it. Exactly. You know, uh, 
just, you know, and like I was saying, it's part of the reason why I got into sex work. There's things that like I want to experience that I don't know if my personal life could facilitate. Right. But I know that I could really angle towards that and having it like in the, like I said, the safest, most practical way that I can with experts and and then they pay me for it afterwards. It's <laughs> fucking wild. Uh, you know, I just bring a good attitude, a good can-do attitude. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, you know. Initiative we, and vigor. Exactly. Again, that's, yeah. Exactly. Vim and vigor. Exactly. You yeah. know, I, I have, you know, my my own scope, my small scope of personal experience, but I've got a big breadth of open-mindedness and curiosity yeah. <laughs> and desire. And so, you know, I just, uh, now I would say those things are evening out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like, yeah, it was definitely, definitely prevalent as like a, a teen that mm-hmm. I, um, it wasn't, it wasn't even like something I needed to like announce. It was just kind of like, yeah, that's there. Sure. And it was just kind of always there. And then, um, you know, I, I like towards like my early 20s, very much so like kind of like clinging to my gay friends to be like, I'm going out with you because I want to be in those situations, you know, and yeah. then it eventually led to me not being dependent on them for that. It was like, Oh no, now I'm, I'm just here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of you, one of us, yes. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I like literally, I remember being like 19 and like telling my gay friend, like, I would really like to make out with a girl. We're going to the bar tonight so I can make out with a girl, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, just like climbing those like, you know, little mo hills. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of, it was like never a question. It was like adults told me as a kid that I had a pred- like an appreciation towards women. And it was just. I appreciate that you were going to say predilection. I yeah. Like pred- predilection, appreciation, you know. Uh, just These are a, both good words. Yeah. You know, um, and just as I've gotten older, it's like, you know, it's not just them. It's like everyone in between. It's again, it's just like. There's just so many different walks of life. And, you know, as a person who tends to battle depression, like, I do really cling to the fact that, like, I want to, like, see what's good and, like, imbue myself in it or see what what feels good for me and imbue myself in it, you know, and, like, gravitate more towards the part of me that wants to appreciate things. You know, I, I always am kind of trying to crawl back to that side of myself, no matter how many times ugly depression wants to... Yeah. Reel me back in, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you do experience depression, you tend to have uh, an enhanced appreciation for when your mind is working right and and, and also <laughs> right. savoring the good things, which you, sometimes yeah. you cannot when you're in gremlin mode. And also, yes. I, for me, there'll be negative thought patterns about other people or situations or whatever, and they mm. will loop. And that's the yep. big problem. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, all of a sudden, like a weird machine that like, you're just a cog in, you know, and you're like, how do how did I get on this run? How do I get off? You yeah. Know? I didn't sign up for this. What the right, hell? Exactly. exactly. I found movies to be a great, almost meditative mm-hmm. removal of myself from that process, which will then like boost me incredibly generally. And, and it can be like the darkest movie too. How about you? Well, I, I was just giggling because I'm like, wait, we were talking about Mike Nichols. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> that moment ago. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, um, well, as I 
as I was, what I was going to say about Mike Nichols earlier is I remember being exposed to The Graduate for the first time and then seeing Closer right okay. around the same time. I haven't seen Closer. I need to. Uh, I don't know if it's because of my affinity to it, but I find that it still holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was cut kind of just experience or just appreciating what he cinematically like offered with the graduate, and then thinking of like you know just even like indie movies and recent memory at that time, just like Garden State, just other things where I was like. I see the influence like very clearly, like even just like the sort of like scenic shots that he would do with like certain music. It was just like, I could see the trickle down of it. And then like seeing his more modern iteration of film through closer. Mm -hmm. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it's based off an English play. I think think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And for those not familiar, Natalie Portman plays a stripper, I believe. She sure does. That sounds uh, Uh, pretty appetizing to me. Right? No, uh, (laughs) you know, and I think that was like another like early exposure to someone you know, I know they don't, they don't, it's not like they put her in the greatest light, but it was somebody who was unabashed about like what mm-hmm. she did. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, t- to me felt like decent exposure. Um, but yeah, I always tend to like movies that will deal with like the emotional pits of people. Mm-hmm. But here. I will say to tie back into the question that you were saying, when it comes to things that are done, how do I want to put this without denigrating the great bastion of reality television? When <laughs> when there is media that I feel is, I guess, ma- made with an artistic set of tools in mind, with an artistic intention in mind, which like I... Like I said, I hate to say that reality TV lacks that, <laughs> but I think I think you understand the differentiation I'm trying to make. There's certain aesthetic, yeah, or, or like a certain tone, or sure. you know, they're they're putting an elevation to the message and the media sure. they're trying to put out. Media like that, when I am depressed is very hard for me to handle. I can understand that completely. Yeah, I'll I'll get like a a sensory thing like I was kind of saying earlier like I know when I'm more depressed, I can really only hap- handle happy peppy music. Like it's very strange. I'm a big fan of like metal music. I I love like sludge and stoner metal mm-hmm. and like I'll sometimes take or you know like a like post punk and whatnot. I'll sometimes take my willingness to listen to those things as kind of like a turning point sure and my sure. mood yeah. you know or or just certain things that aren't the same like pop record on like loop you know i'll yeah. be like oh wait my brain can like handle <laughs> uh you know internalizing these other like more complicated more like complex i don't know again that that well, no, pop know, music, no. but it, you do you know what i mean i know like, exactly what you mean it's just suddenly you're like oh i think i want to listen to a different record right and, and, and it's it like i can it's like you don't just you're not just depending on this one thing. You're not that depending is, on the comfort. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the, when I can expand my palate, I'm like, oh, that's a sign. Um, I do the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I there have been times of like my depression where I'm like, yeah, I cannot handle XYZ movie because I know it's going to take me to a place or, you know, I'm going to experience some emotions that like I know are going to bleed into me like, you know. Spiraling. Yes, or, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say that I can handle is I can binge watch the fuck out of some reality television <laughs> when I am depressed. And 
again, like I, I, I see the functionality, you know, and things like that, like escapism is an amazing thing. And I don't, I, I don't think we appreciate it enough in our society for what it is. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, Jackson Sandoval earlier, yeah. rules, and the, you know, they're, they're put up, they're put upon villainy and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes I sit back and I'm like, no matter how shitty I think somebody is on a reality TV, I'm like, you did your job and I'm thankful for you. <laughs> like, thank you for yeah. doing, for coming to work today and doing what you were supposed to, you know, or like, you know, a drag race, for instance, when like the girls start fighting. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, ew, kumbaya and get along. And I'm like, yeah, there's like certain civilities you can bring, but I'm like, this one, the, if, you, if yeah. you don't like bitchy drag queens, I don't really know if you like drag. I, I have to agree with you on that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like that is part and parcel of it. Like, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the type of humor and everything. And as a matter of fact, yeah. to that point, hmm. I, we have a question <gasps> from our pal. Really? Goth Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, gorgeous Goth Charlotte. Absolutely. Hi, Charlie. It's Charlotte. I just have a quick question for you. I know you're a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I was just wondering which season, in your opinion, was the most iconic and which season was the messiest. Thank you. Oh my god. That's a tough one, isn't it? This is so tough. <laughs> um the most iconic. I mean, there are different levels and different categories of iconetry. <laughs> so this is hard. This is so hard. Um okay. What are the different, I'm, I'm, different yeah, levels? Yeah, so okay. I the I feel like um Season four, I think, yeah. uh, set the tone mm -hmm. for, like, I think, like, what put Drag Race on the map for people. I think there was such, like, a good range of different types of drag. Yeah. You know, uh, you had your standard classic drag. You had, you know, um, Sharon Needles doing your edgy, like, avant-garde, you know, I, I think it I think it put like the character dynamics that make Drag Race so special like front and center. Absolutely, yeah. Um it's not to say that seasons 1 through 3 didn't do that. I think I mean they may have done it in some ways better just because there wasn't the attention on it. So sure. I think it's like a they could be like more natural, but I think like I think the Sharon Needles of, of of it all of season four, like really, I just kind of like, I think intrigued and opened people's eyes to it. And yeah. so for that, it's like iconic in itself. And I think that was the first time there was that wide range yeah. of types. I don't think there was anything that would be like outsider exactly. drag in the earlier ones, I think. Yeah, like it, I feel like it was like, you know, more of like your... Uh, standard either like glamour or like dance performance sure. you know and then season four had a little bit of everybody and i don't know we could uh, season seven i feel like has birthed some of the most obvious i mean i love Trixie mattel to death i love violet tchotchke to death you know miss fame i i think it's uh, gave us the idea of what a social media queen could be because, right. I mean, wouldn't we all love to be Miss Fame in Europe <laughs> just only popping out to be like, you know, a 
beautiful living doll at the front row of fashion shows and then yeah. she just goes to i don't know what to freaking bathe in like the <laughs> the the alps or whatever she's doing yeah. with her like s- husband that we never see but you know her and her chickens all that yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah i that is a pretty good season it's yeah. hard to fault that season yeah, uh, I mean, and I go back and I'll watch it, and I'm like, oh my god, the Shakespeare episode where RuPaul <laughs> loses her shit—it's amazing. Like, yeah. and that's and that's the thing. Like, when I'll like watch Drag Race as it's happening, and everyone will be like, oh, everyone biffed that challenge. It was awful. I'm like, you can give it six months, give it a year, go back to that. You'll like, we'll all be like quoting that. It'll yeah. be those will be like, it is. Yeah, it's like even when moments aren't great on drag race they're still great in some way later especially when someone bombs on drag race yes. i mean on a, a snatch game oh yeah that is the best that oh, is yeah. one of the most memorable things oh my god this last snatch game really <laughs> season 15 yeah you know i'm a little behind to be oh. honest with you with so so but tell me have, go okay, ahead and spoil so it. so basically i mean the way they've approached this season <laughs> overall has been a little shoddy to me shorter episodes shorter episodes and so it's like you know we're missing like a lot of like the video calls are through Mm. certain like mini challenges you know the deliberations at the table all of that um and i guess that resulted in them doing a two-parter snatch game like only like the third or fourth episode into the season craig so oh my god that's i'm well behind by the way but but but, i mean they they still have like 12 or 13 girls at that time so they still split it into two groups in the shortened episode oh dear that does not sound good at all yeah it's like you can't there was no good gauge on like what anybody was doing and i just think it's hard to like get to know the queens and to like you know and then it's falls back on like the beast that it's become in terms of like how people prepare and like yeah. you know uh, the money that they invest into their looks and the time and everything and to only get a certain amount of exposure you know uh yeah i understand the ire against it yeah Um, absolutely because once you establish a longer format mm -hmm. it's very hard to pare it back and i also don't understand the thinking behind it because it's like one of the most popular shows right and certainly on mtv it would be one of the most popular i imagine right and that means that they would get more ad dollars for the other half hour you would think yeah but yeah I th- the, yeah that wasn't that the whole thing is they were like condense the episodes so that they can do reruns which i'm just like if people are gonna watch the reruns they'll sit there and they'll stay for the hour and a half <laughs> yeah you know how course. many times i've rewatched seasons of drag race <laughs> i'm a i'm ashamed in a way <laughs> just because but at the same time it's you know it's been that escapism television and that but i that's the thing is like i when I talk to people about Drag Race, I'm like, yes, technically it is reality television. Technically it is competition with television. But mm. I'm like, this is a different breed of it altogether because of like what and whom it celebrates. Yeah, definitely. And the level of talent, you know, and perseverance that most of these people have is just, it's otherworldly. So, you know, there's just so many different levels to appreciate it on. Funnily enough, my ADD brain has been running in the background right now. <laughs> and I, as much as I love those two other seasons, and I think I, I, I think I say, yeah, I think I say season four based on like how it put Drag Race on the map. Sure. Season seven for 
birthing some of my favorite queens in the entire world. But I actually want to say overall, the season that I probably revisit the most Mm -hmm. is season nine. I love season nine with all of my heart. I feel like the drama and the storylines of season nine were so fun. Um, the reunion from season nine, the pheromone, you don't love me, you know, hometown hero, <laughs> hometown Vegas hero pheromone. Like uh, just, I, I like that's the, the reunion and the finale of season nine are yeah. like stuff that I put on the background to like get ready constantly sure. just cause they, yeah, it's just the, 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 f- the rose petal lip sync with Sasha Velour. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, and and Valentina alone. Oh, absolutely. Like, I so obs- like she had such a beautiful sense of delusion. <laughs> beautiful sense of delusion. French vanilla fantasy. Yes, yes. I mean. When the, when she yes, and like I and that's funny because like I will sometimes revisit her All Stars just because like I like her extension of her like she leaned into like what was great about her persona yeah. so much that I was like, yeah, that's how you do it. Like, and and that's, uh, that I think is like the beauty of drag and something that I identify, you know, and I've like joked with people that like, I sometimes view like porn as my drag, yeah, you know? And like every time like Trixie will make a comparison to like porn and drag, I'm like, damn right, bitch. Well, you know, there's <laughs> you also there's a, a interesting uh, parallel between reality TV, mm. such as Vanderpump Rules mm. and porn, because, you mm. know, as I would say to the folks when I did that podcast, I would, uh, like I said to Katie, you all bleed out basically yes. for that. And, and you know, it's like you're most, they're totally exposed in different ways, yeah. but it's totally exposed. But that's looked at in one way, and porn is sometimes looked at in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's like always the interesting thing for me to try to decipher as a viewer. I'm all, like, my fascination with reality television is always trying to find the line of sure. what is grasping from. Br- actual events yeah and then what is like how far did they take it to put on for it for plot purposes um and yeah i i mean with housewives sorry to interrupt but with housewives it's it's hilarious the structure and the predictability which is glorious because when you go they're going on a trip. I'd be like, they're going you know on a trip. It's going to be, you know what's happening. You know what's happening. There's going to be a dinner <laughs> fight. fight. There's going to be a dinner fight. And yes. then the, who, who was it that smashed Lisa Renna smashing the glass? Oh, I fucking love Renna. People hate her. I love her. I'm like, she's another, she's a Jack. She comes to work and she does her job. Yes. Like that's what I want from somebody. I mean, I, a lot of times I look back on the, there was that Amsterdam fight. I remember it very clearly. Uh, She is trying to tell Kim Richards to not talk about her husband, Harry Hamlin. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Harry Hamlin film on the table over there, by the way. The one where he plays a gay guy. Uh, It's underneath. Yeah, the one that he's always, she's always saying, like, oh, it changed his career because he was ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah, making love. Yeah. 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 Which was written by the guy who wrote Crimes of Passion. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. You would love it. Uh, Kathleen Turner plays a woman who's a fashion designer by day and a prostitute by her own choice by night anthony perkins plays a lunatic priest maybe in quotes you're not sure if he's really a priest or if he's dressed like a priest and on the set he insisted on doing poppers before every take interesting portion of method acting (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) that's also on the table i think well let's put everything on the table (laughs) yes Uh, you know 
that's that's very interesting you know sometimes i guess yeah maybe having all your holes relaxed <laughs> helps you come to work too i don't know i think so <laughs> yeah he's quite an interesting history as well you know he had conversion therapy oh i the didn't 70s. know that yeah he elected to have conversion therapy <gasps> in 1973-74 which at the time wow. involved electroshock <gasps> therapy he then married barry berenson but then he was still gay i mean mm-hmm. like a bi rather mm-hmm. um and so he was very conflicted uh, but in the Dang. 60s or 50s, he was uh, his partner was Tab Hunter, who uh, recently passed or in the last couple of years. But, you know, he's great in polyester as yeah, the bad yeah. guy. But he, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, so. Yeah. No, I, I'm always so intrigued to like hear those stories of that time period, uh, you know, it's always interesting to me that like people were obviously living that way during that time. Yeah. You know, but just the powers that be, you know, brought about things like conversion therapy and people thinking that as like, this is a viable solution to fix what ails me as a member of society. And it's just for even an established star as Anthony Perkins to still be struggling with that. And, um, you know, I guess older gays, you hear them talk about how sometimes they're, like a little shocked or a little uh, put off almost by people being the very openness. open because yeah. it's so ingrained and they'll exactly. acknowledge it and they know, but it ingrained stuff is wild. I mean, I think growing yeah. up in the eighties, there was some kind of ingrained thing in me that right. led to a delayed arrival at what we now know. Right. No. And uh, I mean, better late than never always absolutely always yeah you know and then you and, can really go for it, which is what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're like, I have the wherewithal and the means to like, you know and it's in, in a way it's uh kind of in a parallel with your yeah. uh story you know right which is yeah. really uh i think a beautiful thing thank you uh, you know and that and that's that's what i mean is i feel like i know again like i'm always just like i understand this industry is not perfect by any means it has what its abuse it, and that and that's the other thing that i always try to say that i don't think like makes sense to people right you know like I had a job where I had to work with someone I had previously been in a relationship, an abusive relationship with, and that person claimed to like be an artist championing metal, mental health. And like Ugh. at our quarterly meetings, I would like have to hear this person preach about mental health and like Knowing see their bill, well. yes, yeah. see their billboards, you know. And then at that same place of work like i had a stalker for a year that was never found you know and i and around the time that i gained that stalker i had learned that when the company was in a different location before they came you know moved to where i worked for them another girl had been stalked and murdered by oh another employee there God. and i and it's just like and i know that that's those stories are not unique yeah. you know i just think that yeah, it is the shock, the scapegoat shock factor because people can't conceptualize that, like, I would be okay with exploiting myself that way. So, any sort of like abuse towards me or anyone else is that much more multiplied. And I'm like, not necessarily because I don't feel that same way about that exposure that you do. So, it just feels like a workplace hazard it is very unfortunate but you know i 
the on the other hand, I will say that I don't really know of an industry that is that vocal and communicative about mm-hmm. abuses and right. mistreatments. Like there is a sense of community within sex work that I just think people don't understand or appreciate. And you know, and, and it's out of necessity. You know, we have to protect ourselves, but like. You know, I just, like I said, I just don't know of any other field that like bands together and has these telegram groups and, you know, the local chats that, you know, are, you know, people are vetting other performers, vetting producers, you know, asking about experiences. Like, you know, I don't know of like a, you know, a message board for set designers where I could be like, hey, (laughs) I'm a set designer with a stalker. Help me. Right. You know, that just doesn't exist. So it's like as much as like, yes, we like a can have the propensity to experience terrible things there is also some remarkable things that i don't think other industries actually have right you well, know because you're more presently thinking about it it's more top mm-hmm. of mind it's factored in it's like right. it's acknowledged that there's potential risks or potential uh creeps or whatever it is and but you I- know i get in my car every day and i'm driving around a fucking weapon machine that can kill people like we face threats all the time it's just sometimes yeah. we focus on other ones because it's easier than it's easier to point a finger at yes. things that yeah exactly yeah it reminds me actually of another film that's on the wall actually body double are you, are you familiar with that one i know of that movie but i have not watched it okay. that's an, an incredible poster Isn't by the that way amazing that yeah. is such wonderful art and brian de palma yeah. to me is one of the greatest ever and melanie griffith plays a <gasps> porn star named holly body and That's a good name. Isn't it great? Beaten, by the way. Yeah, Holly and, Body, I and, like that. <laughs> and there's a film in it. it. This is not a spoiler, but there's a, a title that someone goes to track down. Holly does Hollywood. <laughs> Fantastic, <Yes>. right? <laughs> and, and, and Melanie's, uh, at the time, uh, I think husband, Stephen Bauer, who you know, was, might have seen in Thief of Hearts or in um, a couple other things. But anyway, he's in the fake porn that they have uh, in the thing. So that's a little bit of trivia about Body Double because I haven't mentioned it in a couple episodes. I felt like it was time <laughs> to again. No, I feel very intrigued now. But yeah, you know, it it begs the question. I was having a discussion with somebody last night about the movie Pleasure. Mm. I don't, have you heard I of that? No, I haven't. So uh, Pleasure, I believe, um, was an A24 movie, but mm. the studio dropped it because... Uh, well, it is entirely based on the porn industry. And I would say portions of it are alarmingly like true to experience. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I feel to some, but I won't get into too much about how I felt about the movie because I guess the, the be all end all is just like, when is there going to be like a happy horror movie? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, where it doesn't involve being like rescued by Richard Gere or whatever. Like, well, sure. everything has to deal. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, if you have a marginalized group, let us milk them for their trauma because that's the only worthwhile story that can be told about them. <laughs> well, I guess I'm only saying that because I'm like. Oh, a mystery, a murder. Yes. No, but it, like, I'm not... going to watch it, and I know that it's going to be good, but I'm yeah. also just like a murder. No, 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 but... She doesn't get I'm murdered? not going to tell... I don't want to... No. Uh, well, I, I don't want to give it away, but she... The most powerful character in the film is Holly Body. Yes. Okay. 
Great. Got it. Putting putting it on the fucking list then. And that warms my heart. Good. And I don't want to I mean, get... I was going to watch it anyways, but... Right. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, De Palma would get accused of misogyny, but it, it's... When you see it, you'll be like, what are they talking about? Interesting. And there was an outrage at the time too, because it was protested by some women's groups for promoting pornography, all that crap, like we were talking before. There and couldn't be anything positive to it. No, no. not at all. And no the, education, the movie was, no nothing. And it came out <laughs> roughly almost 40 years ago. Oh. Yeah, same with Crimes of Passion. That's almost, I think, roughly 40 years. And that's still a movie edgy. list. Yes. Now that I can handle general media again. <laughs> <laughs> These are good for general media watch. times. Yeah. yeah, in between my voracious uh, taking in of Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that, that's a Jones that you got to feed. You know? right. it, it just is. I got to catch up on the new season. I didn't watch last season. But uh, I Well, as I... So, uh, dear listeners, <laughs> before we got on, I was <laughs> I was telling Craig as I'm like terrifically aware of his involvement with the Vanderpump Rules crew, having yeah. like you know listened to him periodically over the years. Uh, I myself was always very resistant to Vanderpump Rules, while <laughs> I would like completely imbue myself into a Beverly Hills house. Oh well, actually, any of the Housewives or sure. many other reality shows. I was very hesitant about Vanderpump Rules until this recent scandal <laughs> issue happened, and I was like, you know, what? I need to be in the zeitgeist. If everyone feels this up in arms, like I need to know what the four one one is. And Vanderpump Rules has it's just scratch. I didn't know I had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's beautiful to keep discovering yes. these things. And I, I compared yes. your your uh, devoted. <laughs> binging of this to when I discovered Breaking Bad at yes. like season five, so I could just keep watching. And then I had to experience the horror of waiting week by week by torturous week. Right. Yeah. Like you see, and but that's that's I, I feel uh good now that I still have some like, you know, I have at least four or five more seasons until oh, like yeah. I'm current, but given the fact that I've gotten all the way up to season four in a week doesn't really vote that well. <laughs> well, I was like that with Murder, She Wrote as well. Uh, when I, yes. I got into it, I was like, Angel. I was watching it on Prime and they had the first five seasons and I was midway season four and I went, I'm going to run out. I, <laughs> we got to stop now. No, gotta I got to get the box set. Ah, yeah. Oh, because they only had so many on there. You're like, on we got to continue this. I was like, wait a second. How am I going to, I got to get, and there it is. Uh, oh, it's gorgeous. over here. Angela over there. Yep, Angela yeah. over here. I think 11, 12 seasons plus uh, two TV yeah. movies. I know. All right. Rest right. in peace, Angela. Yeah. yeah. Just gave us, gave us so much. Um, yes. And some other films. Um. Me? I've been watching some other films. Or just uh, oh, favorite oh. ones? Or oh, ones my favorite ones? Oh, gosh. Um, if you haven't seen that one, I'm going to have to send it to you as well, To Live and Die in L.A. Oh, I have seen that movie. That movie Fantastic. is amazing. Isn't it incredible? I Yes. Um, There's a lot of queer overtones in it as well. Right. You know, <sighs> there is like a certain period in cinema, I want to say like late 80s-ish. Yeah. <laughs> where like, yeah, I just feel like people were very unaware of like machismo <laughs> and, ha and, and it's like kind of queer nature. Yeah. Um, but I'm all about it. Um, I I don't know why I feel so hard pressed to think of like a favorite movie. Right oh, that's now. okay. You know, it'll come uh, back because it's a terrible question. And I always say this: it's a terrible question because the mind instantly goes blank. Yes, until it does. we're talking about something else later, and then it'll come up. Right? Like, I mean, I didn't even realize recently that uh, I was I was saying, oh, I think this is one of my favorite movies. I I just uh, when I was in England, I um, hosted a Q and A with Wang Chung after a screening. 
at the Prince Charles Cinema oh of God. To Live and Die in L.A., which was wild. Wow. So I got to watch To Live and Die in L.A. with my friends, <laughs> Wang Chung. Yes. I'm friends with Jack and Nick now. And the next week, we went to go watch another William Friedkin film together. Yes. And had dinner and stuff. They're lovely guys. And so it was like. Very. And so oh, when I was having amazing. a downtime, too, uh, I was like, okay, like, as soon as I make a list, you know, like when you're really in gremlin mode. And right. I was like, okay. That's that's pretty good, right? Like, you know, yes. like, and I was like, that's not bad, like, right? Yeah. yeah, we've got something to glean on, like, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some classics that come to mind, like "They Live" is one of my favorite. I movies. love that so much. I right? saw that in the theater. Not, you were worried about giving away your age. Look what I did. That's amazing, though. That had to be really fucking fun. It was fucking right? amazing. Yeah. It was. I was like, this is one of the greatest things ever. Yeah, and I knew of Roddy Piper uh, from sort of right. a tangential wrestling fan. I always enjoyed the pomp and circumstance of it. And I actually went to one WWF event where Andre the Giant uh, made a surprise appearance, and he, he came out at the Boston Garden in the Loge section, which is like the first raised up thing. And he walked out two sections away from where I was sitting. And it was an amazing thing to behold and actually take in the enormity of that man. Right, right. The foreboding presence. That's very freaking cool, though. Yeah, exactly. Because you see him at like in scale as like you know you're like oh my god. Like he doesn't quite seem real on a screen until like yeah. Yeah, until (laughs) then. Yeah. Anyone listening who wants to find some fun stuff, go check out like just type in Andre the Giant drinking, and you'll see how much he could consume in one day. Andre the Giant has a posse. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that whole shenanigan. Um, I guess before I forget, I actually also really love musicals. Oh, please tell me. Yeah. Which ones, yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, like I love like a lot of um, Fred Astaire, like The Gay Divorce, all all sorts of like those types of films. Uh, you know, Bye Bye Birdie is actually a classic favorite film of mine. I just like I love the energy of it and like yeah. just the the color tone and nature of it is just it has like that perfect just like that very cheesy like i feel like the tropes that you assign like musicals to of like you know a whole city in color you know (laughs) in corresponding colors you know comes together to like march down the you know uh meet me in st louis is one of my favorites i need to see these i need to bone Mm. up on some older musicals a friend told me that singing in the rain is playing in new beverly soon i've never seen this movie yeah Yeah, i've only seen the clip i think it's the same thing that was psycho i didn't see it until recently because i knew the trope so well right some movies are just like i you understand in the zeitgeist so well you're like i might as well have seen them you know and even when they're referenced like you will understand them i mean i feel like there's probably i i can't think of anything right off the top of my head but i feel like there's probably stuff within like drag race lexicon Mm. that they're so self-referential with or you know mentioned so many times that it's like a form of media that i get like what they're trying to say via the show that i'm like oh I know what that movie is about, essentially, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever it is. And there's some stuff, too, like uh, bits from Polari, you know, like the secret gay language mm-hmm. uh, that have entered into our right, everyday parlance. Right. Even drag is it's Very Polari. much so. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about antique stores earlier. Oh, yeah. There's a book I go to visit at an, <laughs> an antique <laughs> store in Vegas quite quite often it's um one of the original paperbacks of like the queen's vernacular oh, wow. or the queen's english or whatever mm-hmm. from like the 60s and 70s of like the origination of like the drag pageant or it's i could be getting that date 
time frame wrong, but I know that it is like many generations ago. Yeah. And I I want to buy it, but I'm always just like I I feel like I feel like I'm not the ultimate home for it. <laughs> you know, I I like I want it, but I think like there's somebody out there that maybe like might be more deserving, but I go to check on it to see if it's still there. Yeah. Once it sounds while. like you care a lot for this book and maybe you should. <laughs> maybe I I mean, it. you know, if I keep visiting it, you know, I haven't visited it in a hot minute. So maybe, you know, we'll reconnect and we'll see if maybe it's time for it to go home with me. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, it's funny because it's like locked in this case in this antique store that has like older smut and like vintage, like pinnacle. It's like, it's like the, they, they took all their scandalous materials and they lock them in this one case i'm like this is all the fun stuff like you know <laughs> speaking of a uh, vintage smut or even performers yes. that who are some performers that you admired before you got into the industry oh gosh uh well i mentioned earlier i was always a very big fan of sasha gray yeah um you know she was one of the first people outside of like maybe Jenna Jameson that I understood like uh, crossing into mainstream sure. and having a uh, kind of commanding respect with their name. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, uh, I actually always really loved Jenna Jameson and I will, I, she was probably my first exposure to a porn star, mm-hmm. probably like on the E channel or like something oh, sure. on VH1 as a kid. Yeah. She was all over those. And, you know, I was very into like, you know, I've always kind of been into like that very barbified, barbified type woman, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I always like kind of joke that there's like a part of me that like, not quite enough to go all out with it, but I have like my own sort of like bimbification like mm-hmm. fetish, sure. you know, it goes into, you know, my, my love of self care and getting ready, you know, it, it plans for, you know, uh, plastic surgery in the future, future, you know, just it. Th- th- I would say there's just a big contrast in me and how I physically present now versus me like maybe over a decade ago. Whereas like I would like mentally like appreciate, you know, a very kind of like sexual, like, you know, very like maintained like feminine appearance. Whereas like I used to just be like no bra, no makeup, pixie haircut, Mm -hmm. uh, was very consumed with like portraying myself the opposite of that. And now I have like a very big appreciation for that. And I like, I link, I, I, yeah, I relish in that. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yes. Jenna Jameson, Sasha Gray. Oh, but that's really interesting what you were saying though, about yeah. the sort of avoiding yeah. that stuff earlier on and now yeah. like integrating something that was uh, and of and of interest to you, yes, but seems somehow. I think th- there was a part of me when I was younger that felt kind of like conflicted. I don't know if I want to say conflicted, but I think I was like convinced that not focusing on my appearance made people respect me. Sure. Um, or or to some degree, like not needing to judge my appearance meant that I was more naturally authentic pretty or, or yeah, 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 or authentic or something. Uh, which is just so strange because like I've always had an appreciation for people who were opposite. You know, I was telling you about my fascination with Spice Girls. Yeah. You know, uh, very big like you know, Britney fan growing up, uh, you know, like I said, like love seeing Jenna Jameson on my television, like a woman just like celebrating their like 
sexuality and their bodaciousness uh, really appealed to me, but it was just something that I didn't want to participate in, so to speak. And yeah. now I love it so much, you know, and, and that's what I mean is like, I don't like, I don't want to like live my life and be on my deathbed, you know, regretting like 50, gee, I wish. Yeah, yeah, 40, 50 years from now being like, oh, I, I never got to, you know, experience myself that way or like, you know, see myself that way, yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. Um, like the time is now, basically. Exactly. Like, like these things that I want. And, and of course, that whole idea that I'm more authentic if I fill in the blank right. is thankfully um, sort of dissolving a bit now. Like people like Chrissy Chapeca, who is mm. brilliant. Uh, I'll send you her stuff on TikTok because she's like, the whole bimbo thing on TikTok yes. is like down to her. And she is like an enterprising uh, young woman who just right. put her first single out and all yeah. that. So she created her whole thing on TikTok. But I think um, there's that strange notion which is tied into the uh again the ingrained misogyny of it all right with that like uh the blonde bombshell couldn't possibly be right that like it's immediately associated with like full-fledged artifice when i'm like no there's like so much artistry to that yeah. you know it's just like painting with a different paintbrush basically yeah. and it has no know? correlation to the mental faculties which is another strange uh, layer of that thing of sort of uh, diminishing women. Yes. Right? And and yeah. then they have to be what? Like Fran Lebowitz to be mm -hmm. uh, respected. Right. And like, you know, and, and if their friendliness costs them, like, what do we do then? You know what I mean? Like, I, I kept seeing like these circulation of these like videos online of like a girl getting attacked at a gym in her apartment complex mm -hmm. and people were blaming her for opening the door to the gym to the person who attacked her oh yeah you know yeah. and it's just like if you don't smile at somebody you're gonna get harassed you know and and if you get attacked by somebody it's also because like you were nice to them and right. you you didn't keep your wits about you you know it's just it's 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 hard to win yeah <laughs> it's I can hard imagine. to win i just heard sarah Polly on mark maron uh talking mm. about not bringing your story out about Gian Gameshi when that Canadian talk show host, when everyone else was because of thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be discredited because of this and other family members telling her that. So, yeah, there's a lot of. Um, right. Let's just. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. You just you just simply cannot cannot win. And I wish that that was not the case. So on that note, I'm going to tie it back into yeah, I, uh, I, talking about I, more. We were, we were both like, hey, wait, let's. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I'm going to talk about other porn stars that I like. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah. Um, let's think. Uh, so there was a lady named Belladonna. Okay, that yeah. I really liked. Um, a lady, a girl named Stoya that I really liked. There mm. was like a period of time where there was like. Sasha Gray, Stoya, Belladonna, and then like another girl I think named Andy Sandimas. And they were all like raven haired. Most of them had like tattoos. They were all like, I guess maybe, I don't want to say like the antithesis of what most people would associate with like the porn prototype. Yeah. Because now they're all, you know, pentacles in their own rights, you know. Uh, but I think at the time I was like, Look at these different avenues of like celebrated sexiness, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just like, I, and I also, I was so into like Sasha Gray's like performance art aspect of her porn. Because <laughs> I, I was like, people 
yeah, I just think that like people can't take that idea that like, yeah, I'm willing to do something crazy just to like experience doing it or see that I could do it. You know, like I, that's literally how I ended up in my scene with dread, which led me to later meeting Charlotte. So, you know, that's you, a pretty good outcome. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing outcome. I mean, Dredd is a wonderful person and a very like a legendary performer. Sure. But yeah, my whole idea was like, I've never even seen an inkling of a dick like that in my in my personal life. <laughs> even a suggestion, even a <laughs> yeah, a, a faint whisper uh, uh, like of a dick <laughs> like that in my in my own life. And yeah, I wanted to under like you know like. I wanted to understand the capabilities of the body, you know, and what I could do and what I could derive pleasure from. And what was that process like? Like, was, um, did you uh, train or anything like mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like, I, I mean, since, and that's the thing is like, um, Professional anal is so much different than personal anal, but learning how to do professional anal has greatly affected how I do personal anal now. I can imagine it it's, right. uh, opened up a whole world of uh, <laughs> so pleasure. <to> speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just like the, uh, you know, everything about like cleaning out, you yeah. know, that whole process. Um, just learning kind of like how to schedule your eating. You know, a lot of girls will talk about starving and I'm like, that's not how it goes. You just have to understand like your digestive system and be able to kind of like loosely time your meals based on that. Loosely Mm -hmm. time your meals, time your cleaning out. And then afterwards start your actual training and stretching. Um, You know, uh, Charlotte actually introduced me to a really great, brand of uh butt plugs mm-hmm. called square peg that i would definitely recommend to anybody who's interested in training they're soft and squishy and amazing and will like really help that <laughs> help that uh, process go off <laughs> a little smoother yeah, yeah, sure. yeah um but yes it's just a you know it's a it's a, it's a mixture of being aware of your body and then just knowing how to prioritize things, you know? So like I've, I've, for instance, um, with dread, I would have taken note of when like my last meal of that evening was maybe done a light clean out the night before Mm -hmm. nothing crazy, maybe do like a bigger clean out the next morning. And then, you know, uh, maybe only do like a, protein shake you know or like gummies or something but like i will never go i will never go onto a set like not consuming something because it's just it's a blood sugar thing and i just uh for anyone listening i just would never advise you to go onto a set without eating (laughs) yeah and that goes for any bottoms out there (laughs) in general because you hear about that people go oh i'm starving all day for that that doesn't make any sense it's you know it appeals to that part of you of myself that I was mentioning earlier. Where like I really like to parse out and schedule and break things down. I find like yeah. the more routine I can provide myself, uh, the happier I am, and the more easily and better I can enjoy being a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel so much like a depressive episode. It feels like like a treat. actual just like, <laughs> yeah, downtime. Exactly. Nice downtime. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it it really just boils down to like knowing knowing your body and um using the right tools and not rushing and using lube uh all you important know. things yeah. and sometimes people don't 
realize that or they're yeah. like i gotta try this and right. I remember being with someone and they were like oh let's try anal and i was like okay so it's not like we'd have to work up to it we don't have the yeah. time or whatever the circumstances right. were i was like i'd be happy to another time but like we don't have that time exactly. and they yeah. were completely new to it and i was like it would probably be very uncomfortable and then right. you would feel uh very it would taint your <laughs> yes it would it would, <laughs> it would <t> <laughs> <laughs> you know that's funny sometimes my brain does this thing where i make a pun without even realizing it until it's come out of my mouth yes well there <laughs> so... you go that's the associative thinking <laughs> right. and high intelligence you know it just <laughs> happens whether you want it to or not what can i say, what can I, say? <laughs> I may be mentally ill but i am clever sometimes <laughs> right exactly yeah. that's a good t-shirt actually <laughs> right. so we're getting the merch line going hey Hey. <laughs> and I think uh, I, I have one more question about the transition from mm. camming mm. to, I guess, what would you call it? Uh, uh, production, like porn yeah. production. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. When was the when was the uh, crossover? Um. So, okay. Um. So I'm still working my corporate job when I first start camming. And then pandemic happens and I'm no longer doing that job. I'm no longer doing camming. Uh, we start emerging out of pandemic. I exit that relationship. I get back into camming. Um, I begin my OnlyFans journey. And that's in summer of 2021. And that same time that I'm like doing all the social media that comes along with those two things, I was contacted by an agent, mm -hmm. uh, a porn agent, and was just like, hey, like, what do you think of this? And I was like, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but now that you've mentioned it to me, I'm going to think about it. Yeah. And um, even though I very avidly did not go with that particular agent the mm. seed had been planted and i the more i went over it the more i was like i can't like i don't have any hard reasons like why i wouldn't if sure. i'm already going to you know I, I i was still working like another corporate job at that time but when the porn idea became presented to me i was like why wouldn't I want to do this full time? Why wouldn't I? Like there yeah. was just there was just nothing that like particularly said to me, don't do this. It was right. every, it was like I have the temperament, I have the acceptance of it, like I have the interest in it. Yeah. You know, and then every all all these like myriad of things of like why I would personally find it fulfilling, like factored in. And so it was just kind of like a no-brainer. Like within like the same week that that person reached out to me. I went and then reached out to other agencies <laughs> yeah, that I yeah. felt more comfortable with. And like the rest was history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll in August of this year, that will be my two years. And, you know, I'm hoping for many more. Well, I'm sure. Know? And also you've made quite an impact in the short amount of time that you've been. Thank you. The, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank and, you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. And um, so I think if there's anything else. Because I feel like that's a, a we have a good two parter episode, right? And also, we after we get off mic, we can talk some uh, Vanderpump Rules nonsense. Yes, <laughs> I need the freaking <laughs> details so bad. Absolutely, so bad. Because like right now, I I for sure feel like I'm in the throes of like being very endeared by Sandoval. And like how he's just kind of like I would say actually out of all of the toxic people on the show right now. 
he's pro- like his main issue with me is like he's his vanity and there's like a slight <laughs> cringe factor to him and i'm like those are forgivable traits like sure. 1000% to me like i am also vain and cringy so <laughs> i get that everyone else i'm just like they're all in a pissing contest to see who can like be the worst and i'm i always like kind of got a you know, Jax is very terrible, but I mostly give it up to Kristen. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I'm like in the throes of like, he seems pretty sweet and like innocuous. And sure. like, so yeah, I'm on the journey and I'm ready to be taken to Hateville with well, him. It's, even, it's an even more interesting journey now seeing it with knowing what the sort of eventual right. outcome is that puts a whole different lens on it, which exactly. is interesting. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I'm such a nosy ass bitch that that is like, <laughs> I like we were talking about having to like, you know, get into those like hyper obsessive things. Yeah. Like I'm so just like, I want to know everything. Like, um, yeah. I'm like, that you as know, well. it's so I can kind of like watch with that skepticism so that I'm like, picking up on all the like little details you know because yeah. uh, you know like even right now there's a some other like bravo podcast that i listen to and i'm listening to them do a little bit of like recaps on the recent episodes yeah and obviously the current season doesn't have the scandal but they're all picking up on like everyone's little lies and bullshit now and yeah. i'm like that's the juiciest, most fun way to watch reality <laughs> television, you know? Oh, yeah. But you, you have the after show or like almost the untucked of yes. the reality show. Yes, yeah. And exactly. the mid-season trailer is out now, too. <gasps> it's it's pretty great. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, maybe we can watch yet. that in the clip of Ada at the uh, yeah, at Torture the Garden. Tra- yep. Oh, yeah. it was Torture Garden. It was Torture Garden, yeah, in UK. <gasps> yes. yes. Torture Garden is amazing. It was uh, incredible. Charlotte walked the Torture Garden in Vegas that was uh, oh, yeah, that's just right. this last year. That's right, yeah. Oh, that's, that's fucking sick. I bet she looked amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, like, she, I mean, yeah. latex is always amazing, but now that I know that it's like Torture Garden stuff, I'm like, oop. ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll like her stuff a lot. Yeah. 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 She's Very dressed cool. a lot of... Um, the Charlie XCX drag queen video that was out recently. Yeah. That's all her garments. Hell yes. Baby and Tace all wear her stuff. And oh, Tace. Loads of people. Oh. Crystal wears a lot of her stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I want to see it. Absolutely. Well, yes. I look forward to showing you. And I can't thank you enough for such a wonderful uh, afternoon. Thank that's you. That's going to continue. But yes. the show will end now. And thank you for a wonderful show as well. Craig, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for letting me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to more. Yes, Yes, you'll have to do a movie club sometime. Yeah, no, I've got a short movie list. Exactly, yes. And I'll send but, you some uh, files oh God, and links and all so that fun. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, terrific. Well, th- thank you. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you. you <laughs>